Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. I'm using my time wisely when and where I have the free time and the alone time to record a podcast. So thank you for sticking with me. I've got new beats out on my BeatStars page at Psychic34. Follow me on Instagram at Psychic34 for upcoming news uh, and to have access to all my content. Uh, I appreciate all love and support as always. And let's get into today's topic. Halo as a whole. The franchise as a whole. Halo the video game. Sounds weird when they say it like that, but... Um, it's a very monumental achievement in the video game world. And in terms of the history of video games, entertainment as a whole, and art, Halo was at kind of the fulcrum of it all. And I think the thing we have to remember is what it actually established moving forward. Now, for those of you who don't know Halo, who've never played it, for those of you who don't really play video games but are somewhat interested in hearing these thoughts, this is tailored for everyone to some extent. So long-time Halo fans, people who've picked it up and played it at a buddy's house, and people who've never touched a video game, maybe watched a TV show and don't really care but are kind of interested in what I have to say about it. I'm going to try to make this as covering all the bases as much as I possibly can, considering the complexity of this franchise. So what is Halo? Well, Halo is a video game developed by Bungie and published by Microsoft that came out in 2001. It's a first-person space epic shooter that centers around the protagonist, you as the player, playing in the role of Master Chief. Now, um, I think the thing that people don't realize about Halo is exactly what it did for so many other games moving forward. So as you're playing as John 117, or Master Chief, more commonly known. In the first game, you're greeted by this crew. You're on the... Sh- I'm going off memory here. It's been a while since I played them. I have played all the Halo games. Um, I've played all of the campaigns and co-ops, however, and multiplayer, all the modes, at least a few hours, and I've beaten all the campaigns in at least one or two different kinds of difficulties. However, to be fair... My first Halo was Halo Reach when I was 10, and I'll get into that later. Um, So I had to go back and play all the Halos when it was on Master Chief Collection. So I played the remastered versions of all of them through the Master Chief Collection. I played through all the campaigns. Um, You might be like, well, you didn't care then? I didn't. I was one years old when the first... One year old... I was one year old when the first Halo came out, so I couldn't play it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um... So it won't quite be the same magic, because when you're a video gaming age, when you're a teenager or uh, a young adult, and you in that video game, I could imagine the young adults in 2001 playing Halo for the first time will have a completely different experience to me. But I'm still going to keep in mind with those different uh, perspectives and 
and keep in mind with uh, the history of Halo. So, this game was under a lot of pressure to be made because it was going to be the flagship title that launched the Xbox, the original Xbox in 2001. Sony already had PlayStation, Nintendo already had, uh, you know, all of their consoles at the time. I think GameCube came out in 2001 as well, which is a goaded console. Um, so Microsoft was dead last, you know. Sure, they had the PC gaming market on lock, but that, that's it. They didn't have a console to their name, right? And the thing about it at the time, before digital sales and streaming games and downloading games online and all these different kinds of games and marketplaces, was you really ne- needed a mascot. You needed a flagship game that only you can get on Xbox because else, otherwise, if you're just selling the same games that are on PlayStation, people aren't going to buy the Xbox. They're just not. They have they have a PlayStation. They know PlayStation games. They've got friends on there. So who cares? But mind you, this is a time when things weren't fully online. So in fact, first PlayStation didn't have um multiplayer compatibility. In fact, no console really had multiplayer compatibility. PC might have, but but even then, I don't think they did. And if they did, it wasn't very common. We're talking early, late nineties, early two thousands. And Bungie had ten months to make a video game. They were in financial debt from their previous games not doing as well as they were hoping. They were a small company that was on the edge and Microsoft saw the potential liked the games they made they pitched a game to Microsoft that really intrigued them about some military space shooter and you're on an alien world and it's a hostile environment and you have to navigate it yourself that was kind of the gist of their pitch it wasn't first person at the time it was third person in fact they tried RTS at first It wasn't even called Halo at the time. It was it had a bunch of other names. Um, it had no protagonist and mascot like Master Chief. It was bare bones. It looked like it was made in 1989, and it barely worked. That was ten months away from the console shipping date. See, the console was already approved, and that was a whole other process that took three or four years of R&D of pitching to Bill Gates and the Xbox team barely managed to come alive out on top of it. And uh, uh, if if anyone's interested in the history of Xbox specifically and its success, I rec- highly recommend the documentary YouTube series on Xbox's channel. And whether you're a PlayStation fan or, you, or, you, or a Nintendo fan and you don't care for Xbox, just watch this because if you, if you like video games, you're going to get a lot out of it. It's just a fascinating and well-made documentary from the people who made the Xbox and how challenging it was and really took you back in time and made you realize the challenges that they overcame. And it really makes you admire the company as well as the, the products they've created and because they were the underdog. All odds were against them. They were, they were barely, barely allowed to even do it in the first place from, 
from the head of Microsoft at the time, who was Bill Gates, mind you. And uh, they, it was on a whim. I mean, it was barely, I mean, they planned the shit out of it, right? But it, it barely, barely got the Xbox greenlit. So once the Xbox was greenlit and, and started and they finished the first concepts of it and got it working and running and playing a handful of games and they had a handful of studios under them from their Windows PC gaming uh, acquisitions, they started developing games for it. And at the, around that time, that's when Bungie was struggling, was drowning, and they needed a lifeguard to come and save them and that's where Microsoft came in and acquired them. So they had this idea and they were hammering it out, but it didn't quite work. It wasn't polished. There was no finesse to it. And it wasn't unique. No one gave a shit. They scrapped and redrew and restructured everything to make Halo what we know of now. This expansive, expansive open level, intricate, with beautiful graphics for the time. Unique art. Captivating gameplay loop. Engaging multiplayer and a beautiful score to tie it all together, making it an epic game, unmatched by many. I'm not going to go through each individual game and give you a review on that. That would take too long and that would be tedious. I'm looking at the franchise as a whole. I'm looking at the history, the impact, the trickiness, and... uh, and specifically what Halo games I played the most of and what spoke out to me. But um, I have played them all, and I played a good amount of all of them. Uh, So yeah, I just find Halo to be an incredible franchise that does have some extreme ups and downs. But the ups were tremendous. So in 2001, November, I believe, 2001, November 15th? The Xbox launched with its flagship title, Halo. Halo redefined itself. The multiplayer was apparently really bad. Bungie didn't like it. They were proud of it, so they scrapped it. Five months before the game needed to be finished. Holy fuck. Could you imagine scrapping years worth of work and replacing it with one of the most beloved multiplayer systems ever from the ground up? Don't ask me how they did that. I have no fucking idea. But hats off to them for pulling it off. Uh, and probably the smartest two things they implement. Well, they had a lot of smart decisions. Campaign was well done, right? But beyond that, when we're talking multiplayer, utilizing the same maps and level designs or familiarity from the campaign, and of course the same weapons, which is a no brainer. Having players pit against players is one thing, but this is one of the first games that have fully integrated into the console multiplayer. And it's not to say there wasn't multiplayer, and I don't just mean split-screen co-op, which was there. Online multiplayer. Xbox Live was introduced. So you could pay to play with your friends. Now, I know that wasn't very fun, but... It allowed you to plug Ethernet in or do dial-up or whatever was configured in your home at the time to access the Internet, much like a computer. In fact, they used the same parts that a PC would use to get online, and they just integrated it into the Xbox, built right in, 
easy. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I never had an original Xbox. Mind you, I was one year old when this came out, so I'm going off of the history and what I've heard from other people. I believe a lot of the, the, the original Xbox shipped with an Ethernet cable in it. I could be wrong, but I believe it did. So, um, yeah, that was that. was that, And it was a pretty powerful device, machine for the time and for its size. And it played other games. It had plenty of other games. And over the years, it grew and got more studios and stuff. But Halo was the flagship. And it sold like hotcakes. And it became more and more fun and playable. And at first, it wasn't, you know, in its demos and its E3 reveal, people found it interesting. But they might not have found it, like, too enticing. And the the demo at the E3, you know, where people could pick up and try it, wasn't very polished and smooth. It stuttered. It hardly worked. But all the pieces were there. And that allowed them to optimize and polish. So three months, four months later, they were able to fully, fully release it in the state it was. And it was high praise and well-received. Blew everyone out of the water. Then we enter with Halo 2. Which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, came out in 2003. Let me double check. 2004. So about three... Two and a half when all said and done, because Halo 1 came out November 2001. Um, so that Halo 2 came out with better graphics, a more involved campaign with more cinematics, a more refined, polished um, multiplayer, allowing dual wielding, Allowing new weapons uh, with better stability to multiplayer connection. It just improved. And many people regard Halo 2 as the best Halo game. But this is where it gets even trickier. Because it didn't stop there. (laughs) Halo 3, also very notable, because it changed the formula, came out in 2007. And remember, 2007 is one of the most infamous times for video games. New IPs and strong entries into already established franchises. We're talking about Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, Halo 3, Assassin's Creed, just to name a few. Just a very, very small sliver of what all came out. There's so many more that I'm missing, but uh, Gears of War, I believe, and, and a handful of others. So the point is, 2007 was an incredible year. I think God of War 2, uh, it was an incredible year for video game history. And I'll make a whole podcast on that at some point. But Halo 3 was a solid entry. Of course, it improved and refined, but its artwork changed. The graphics changed. It were, were past, you know, Halo 2 came out for... Um, I believe the 360 came out in 2005 so Halo Halo 2 was still on original Xbox and I think it was able to be on 360 it just wasn't as it was but it wasn't you know it was scaled up a little bit but Halo 3 was the first game to be fully designed and built with the modern technology of the time of 2007 or 2006 probably to be able to be run on the 360 the Xbox 360 and I could be getting my timetables wrong. Maybe 360 came out later. But, um, 
the graphics, the art design, massive improvement, stability was a huge gain, and entire new game modes and features were added and integrated, such as Forge. And I believe custom games too, but that could have been earlier. I'm going off memory, so bear with me if I get these things wrong. But Forge was a massive addition that allowed players to easily modify and adjust game modes and levels and build with the tools and assets from Halo 3 to their heart's content. It also had file share and game capture, which allowed you to share your captures, your cool pictures, your videos, everything. And it had the integrated custom games where you can change the game modes and make it almost whatever you want within the confines of Halo 3. You combine those and you have infinite play replayability because anybody and anyone can pick up and build or try a new game mode. So you're not solely dependent on what the developers provide you. It was an incredible time because Halo had new weapons, an incredible story that ended the trilogy, mind you, the main trilogy of Master Chief's story arc. And it, it ended with a bang, with a finale of incredible proportion. It was the highest selling video game of all time. And in fact, it, it outsold any modern box office film of 2007 that came out until Transformers came out. And then... Um, but it was outselling everything at that time. Actually, it might have sold, outsold Transformers. I don't even know. It was massive. It pushed the Xbox 360 buys into the stratosphere, and everyone was playing it. And with Xbox Live using wireless internet at this time, still Ethernet as an option, of course, it was even more accessible to more people. Halo 3 changed the foundation of Halo for the better in every proper way. And if you're looking at a change in a franchise that is so damn good, almost no change after it could even be replicated because of how much it did and how much it did right, that was a turning point. And then we get to Halo Reach, my all-time favorite Halo game and my all-time favorite video game. So let's get into it. Halo Reach, my personal favorite Halo game and my all-time favorite video game. Let me give you a little context to why. I'm 10 years old. My parents, as I've said before, very cool about a lot of things and allowed me to watch all kinds of movies and shows as long as they didn't scare me too much and, you know, keep a close eye and monitor it and, you know, but they didn't just say no. No, they have a curse word. You can't watch that. Or no, there's violence. You can't consume that. No, they're not restrictive like that. And I'm thankful for it. I think it's what allows me to be as uh, well-versed in films and television and, and music as I am. Because they didn't restrict me at a young age. I'm sure sometimes I overstep, but I, I didn't purposely search for things that I would find disturbing. I feel like when you restrict kids, they will go and watch and do the thing you don't want them to. I'm not a parent, so I can't fully speak on that, but I've seen that with my peers. They're like, oh, I'm not allowed to watch this. Let's watch it. And it's something really fucked up. It's not, it's not even remotely as bad as what the parents are trying to restrict. It's something where I'm like, damn, dude, just chill. It's not that cool. It's gross. Jesus. You know? I always have those weird friends who are like, hey, let's watch this really gross video of 
some violent thing. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got enough violent images in my head. By the way, please go check out my podcast episode on OCD. I find it very important, and I think uh, it's 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 meaningful. It's definitely meaningful. I mean, all of these things are meaningful to me, but I, I think it could be really beneficial to to you and and uh, people you know, especially if they have or have to live with someone who has OCD. So anyway, um, so my parents weren't too restrictive, but video games was one of those areas where they weren't stupid about it. They weren't like, oh, it causes school shooters. No, they were, they're not an idiot. They know that's not how that works. But they also know that I really love the video games, and if I wasn't careful, I'd just sit around and play video games all damn day. So they tried to either balance it when I was playing video games that I was allowed to play that was age-appropriate at the times because I started at a young age, and then they just tried to steer clear of... Um, extreme violence and gore and realistic violence for a while. They didn't want me playing it at age 8, 9, 10, 11 like my peers were. They wanted to um, they wanted me to wait until I'm preteen teenager for some of them. And I did. And it was brutal. I was wondered what Assassin's Creed was like. I was wondered. I was, you know, back in the day at Blockbuster, you go, you rent your games to try them, and I was looking at them, and I'm like, man, these are cool. I wish I could play these. And only certain teen games I was allowed, especially like Star Wars games. My parents never restricted me on that, thank God. And, um, you know, some action games and adventure games and stuff, and some with violence, of course, but nothing like Call of Duty. I wasn't allowed Call of Duty or Doom or anything like that. It was just too visceral. Too visceral for a... 9, 10, 11 year old and you know looking back on it I'm not upset by that I've played them all now and like who cares I got around to it and they weren't mean about it they're just like you're not ready yet and they probably were right I probably wouldn't have been able to handle that not that it would have scared me it just probably would have made me aggressive or something I don't know I don't know but I'm not upset because I'm here now and I'm having fun with now I'm an adult and I can play any damn game I please <laughs> But it's not a big deal. But I remember that used to be the biggest deal when I was little. I'm like, man, if I could just convince my parents on two fronts. A, if I'm allowed to play this, that's the hardest hurdle. And then B, even if I'm allowed to, would they be willing to buy it for me? Or rent it? Usually renting was easier. You know, two bucks and you go rent it for a couple days or whatever. Uh, five bucks, whatever. But buying it? Holy shit. That was a whole other art. The artistry of getting your parents to buy you video games at GameStop. If you're one of, if you were born in a generation, if you're early 2000s like me and you had to do that, or late 90s, but mostly early 2000s, then, yeah, congrats, we did it. <laughs> um, so I remember, I remember the very day I got Halo Reach, because it's my first rated M game, through and through. And it's the most violent game I have, which isn't even that bad compared to the other games that I could have gotten at the same time, but I didn't. So the year is 2010. It's during a school week. And my buddy, who... Uh, I'm not going to say his name for privacy reasons, just in case, but um, basically he's a good friend of mine at the time. He was hanging out with me. Uh, he was just coming over to my house just to, to kick it, play video games and stuff. Uh, I don't even think it was the weekend. It might have been. Might have, no, it wasn't. It was a school day, and we were doing. We had to do a little homework and study together, and we did that. And then, but I was convincing my parents over the course of a couple months. Please let me buy this new game. Please, please, 
please. <laughs> please, 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 pretty please. Not that annoying. I was more strategic. I showed IGN reviews. I showed it was well-received. I showed Common Sense Media. <laughs> I did my research. I made sure, like, hey, I know this is violent. It's a military first-person shooter. I wasn't negating that. I wasn't hiding the truth. I was merely just accepting it and saying, okay, but hear me out. Here's why it's not as bad as this one, and here's why I think I should be allowed to try it. It's kind of a mid-step, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, so on and so forth, right? I finally convinced them. They say, okay, we can get it when your buddy comes over. We'll go, we'll go by GameStop. Dude, I was happy. That might have been the happiest I've ever been in my life. Honest about No, I'm kidding. But it was a very exciting moment. My first rated M game. I've convinced my parents. They've agreed. You know, I've got some in my savings and I got some birthday money left over or some Christmas money or whatever. I, I don't remember exactly what time of the year this was. I know I didn't get it on release. That's for damn sure. I, th- I think it was a few months after its release. So we go to GameStop. Buddy's with me. He's excited as all could be because he doesn't have it yet. You know, his parents didn't allow him. You know, we were close friends and, and our parents were friends and they were kind of communicating like, ah, should we? But, but he knew that my, if my parents, who are even a little more strict on the video game policy, um, but more lenient on other policies and his parents were, you know, kind of reversed in some areas, he knew that if my parents would allow me to get it right in fucking front of him, <laughs> then it's just a matter of time, a few months at the most until he gets his hands on it. And he played it at friend's house. I didn't touch it. I've never played it before. I played other iterations of Halo, but I never played Halo Reach. And it was the hot game. You know, everyone was playing it at the time. That and Call of Duty, right? Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 1. And that one that just came out, or maybe it was right before then. Um, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a big time for FPS games, franchises, titans of the industry. I think Battlefield 3 came out around that time as well, if not a year later, maybe. 2010 to 2012 was a crazy good time for video game first-person shooters. And also a very daunting time because it's when they started shifting their philosophies. Um, So anyway, moving on. Halo Reach. Now, at the time, I had no idea this was the last Halo entry from Bungie. This was their farewell to Halo. I did know it's a prequel to all the events that follow for Halo, for Master Chief. So there's no Master Chief. Halo Reach and its campaign follows the story of Noble Six, a group of elite Spartans, specialist group, tasked with a mission to disable as many Covenant uh, weapons and artifacts that were helping them invade the home planet of Reach, the last refuge of the human race and where they call the home. Basically a second Earth once Earth collapsed. This video, this game puts you in the shoes of some of the most elites, you know, the elite Spartans that push through, not actual elites, but just elitist Spartans, the, the top tier, the SEAL Team 6 of Spartans, this, this high-trained, skilled group, and you play, it's called Noble Group, you play as Noble 6, I'm sorry, I was getting my shit mixed up, uh, kind of an empty, just a blank slate, no speaking, you're not a hero, you're just, just off, just new to the group, 
because the last guy got murked. <laughs> and you're learning as you go what's happening. So as you're fighting to save Reach, you stumble along a bunch of things, and it's an incredible game because it's basically, you know, Star Wars Rogue One, for anyone who's seen that, follows the same damn story, plot line, and threads that Halo Reach set forth six years before its release. Or five years. So, <laughs> there you go. That's a fun fact for the day. Rogue One. Go watch Rogue One. If you've played Halo Reach campaign, go watch Rogue One and think of Halo Reach. You'll never see that movie the same again. Um... So you're doing all these missions, and they're incredible set pieces. Very cinematic. And a lot of the conventions that were set up in Halo 3 were kept, but a lot of, a lot of things were chopped because, oh, it doesn't fit because it's a prequel. And or they were just changing some gameplay mechanics, trying new things, trying to reinvent themselves. And in many ways, at the time, it pissed off the established Halo community. Now, mind you, I'm a 10-year-old who just got their first rated M game and has never played a Halo game through and through. Uh, I don't give a fuck. I don't know any better, and I'm having a goddamn blast. So I get it from GameStop. I get home. I'm excited as I could ever be. My buddy is, too. We throw it in the Xbox 360. We turn it on, and immediately we're greeted with the incredible score. We're gamers. We've been gaming for almost all our life, so we already know how games work. And we played Halo at other friends' houses, so we're not completely unaware of how first-person shooters work, but we're a little rusty. And um, we we just start the campaign in split-screen. Get through the first first mission, the winter contingency, and everything's from, you know... Of course, he has to go home. You know, it was a school night. Couldn't sleep over. Otherwise, we would have probably been playing the whole campaign that night. And then uh, I just, I'm like, oh, I have to beat this game. I mean, this is the most incredible game I've ever played. I just remember being in awe at everything and just so having so much fun. I still do when I play Halo Reach. Don't worry. So anyway, um... He goes home, I go to bed like a responsible student. Miserable that I have to get up and go back to school and not stay home and play Halo Reach. I, I seriously, it was like, it was Thursday night, I think. So it was Friday night, and uh, yeah. I seriously considered just being sick. Just finding a way to, to fake it and, and stay home and play Halo Reach all day. I seriously considered it for a minute. I'm like, nah. No, I gotta do the, the homework. I gotta, you know, I gotta do that, and and I can't do that. My parents will see right through it and know. They know how excited I am and how much I want to play Halo Reach. They're not stupid, so, um, so I went to school. It was all fine, and hey, that's all people were talking about. You know, and my buddy was telling people, like, "Yeah, Psychic got Halo Reach." <laughs> Everyone's like, "Really? What's it like?" And there's one kid in the corner who's like, man, I already beat it. Everyone's like, man, shut the fuck up, Jeremy. No one gives a shit about you. And then, uh, over the course of the months and the school year and everything in between, I I beat the Halo Reach campaign, I think by summer, just because, you know, we were almost done with the semester anyway. There was only a month left, and it's hard. It's hard to stick to and beat a campaign that you're new to. And it's a pretty beefy campaign if you take your time. 
And if you're on a semi-difficult level, which I was because I didn't know any better, I was on, I think I was on Heroic. Um, with a few, I didn't activate Skulls. That scared the shit out of me. My first playthrough? Hell no, I wouldn't do that. Um, so, yeah, I just played through it and I had a blast. But what took my time away from beating the campaign was the other modes. Multiplayer. This is what I love the most about Halo Reach. The campaign is one of the best campaigns I've ever played in a game for a single-player, first-person shooter campaign. It's clean, it's simple, it's to the point, and it's powerful, it's cinematic, and it's so fun, and there's so much diversity to it, and its levels, and its weapons, and its AI. The thing about Halo that people don't realize is, is it's, a, it's the thinking man's first-person shooter. COD has its moments, but COD as a, as a whole is you see something, you shoot something, it's over. It's more realistic, so it's like, oh, you have an M16. Well, the bullets on an M16 and the bullets on a 1911 do the same damn damage to the person in front of you. It's a fucking bullet traveling through a human. You're gonna kill them if you shoot a couple more times. You're fine, right? Not in Halo. No. <laughs> you can shoot an elite as many times as you want with a plasma pistol. You really can. And eventually, you will kill him. However, he moves faster. He moves on a, a zigzag diagonal plane. And he kicks you once and you die. So, fuck you and fuck your strategy you thought you had. So, you pick up the sniper rifle and then bam, one shot him and he's gone. <laughs> the thing about Halo that's unique and much like chess is each... Enemy AI has its own abilities, its own strengths, its own weaknesses, its own weapons that it can carry or that it can pick up. That's a whole new fucking level of shit your pants moment. Um, and it has its own moveset, much like a chess game. Each piece has its own moveset and its own strengths and weaknesses and counters. An elite, most commonly the hardest enemy, but there are different types of elites. And in Halo Reach, when we're specifically talking about them, I don't remember each name of each type of elite, but the ones that would um, fly with the jetpacks, real easy to kill. You just dome those fuckers. Their shields are very minimal. They move, but they have a high damage, and they snipe you from a distance, and they have jetpacks, so their mobility is pretty good. The white or gold elites, the big ones, that almost look like they have a crown. Oh my god. They have so much health, and they move so quickly, and they kill you so quickly, and they usually have energy swords. They are the hardest singular enemy you could face. That commonly, you know, there's no bosses, but those guys are essentially bosses. And they can be everywhere. And in the opening of Winter Contingency, depending on the difficulty, you can have up to four of those fuckers fight you. Your first time in the game. You have a DMR, which is dope, but not enough. <laughs> You're just panic fighting. Uh, it's hard. It's a hard game. Um, but my point is each enemy and then each weapon and ability and your knowledge of the map, your knowledge of how the weapon works, your knowledge of the enemy, what weapon they're wielding and what it does to you and how to counter it. You have to know these things and you don't know it at first, but once you learn it, it makes the game different. You, you have to think as you play, even though it's a lot of reactionary, you have to know. If an elite has an energy sword, what do you do? You keep your fucking distance and you hope he doesn't close in on you. 
if you've never played Halo and you have no idea what it means, now clearly we're smart and we understand general signs of danger, you could tell that something, some mean growling alien charging you with a sword or with some pointy electric thing is probably going to hurt you, but you don't know how bad until you get fucking walloped. It's an insta-kill, and he moves quickly, and if you don't keep your distance, you're done for. And I think that's the beauty of this game. You have to learn how these combinations work and the variety and how it jumbles things around when there's different variants to that enemy with different strengths and weaknesses or that enemy, same type, is carrying a different weapon. And then the weapons and armor abilities that you have at your disposal and the skill and knowledge of a map make the game always fresh and dynamic even if you're playing the same damn levels with the same enemy spawn. It's always unique. It challenges you to think, to react, and to get better. Same goes as Firefight. Firefight is just a wave-based. There's no stories, no cutscenes. It's just wave-based on certain maps. Alone, with your friends, online, offline, doesn't matter. The thing about Halo Reach that stands out is because the, the amount of content that's in this game and how well it's all put together. You have this incredible campaign that spans probably 20 to 30 hours depending on the difficulty or your experience with open levels and incredible landscapes and amazing graphics for the time and artist and artwork and sweeping cinematic score with with cutscenes and character arcs that you really start to care about general story that's easy to follow but intricacies that are hard to piece together until you're done with the story or until you know the next chapter it's all very well done. Then you go to the multiplayer suite. You have elaborate maps design with verticality and different lanes and entry points with weapon pickups or different items that you spawn with, with armor abilities that can change the way the game is played and with different skill sets of people playing this game and different patterns and choke points and a crap ton of game modes and maps to go with it all. Then you have Firefight. The offline PvE mode or online. Where you're playing with your friends against waves of enemies. You can customize and change what you start with. And change the types of enemies that come in. You can change the maps. There's a handful of maps that you get to be on. It's extremely fun to try to survive as long as possible. And then on top of all that you still have custom games and forge. Custom games you can do. Uh, make your own maps and your own game modes, put them in multiplayer suites or put them in firefight suites. Uh, Forge, you could build your own maps and play them online with your friends, play them. And, and then also, everything, every part of this game adds to an incredible customization lineup because you don't get new weapons or upgrades to that. All the weapons, everyone gets equal level playing field, which is great. You get different armor sets, and they're cool. They look cool as hell, and it's cool to flex. Your service record showing you've played better in multiplayer and played more in campaign, got these medals, and then on top of that, to show how cool you look, because you can only get it when you get to that level. Amazing helmets and armor effects and shoulder pads to make your Spartan, your character, look unique and different from everyone else. So when you're in the loading screen of a lobby in a multiplayer menu, everyone can see how different you are and see how far you've made it, see your level and see how good you are at, at playing this game from a surface level. 
and it takes a long time to get there. And people who said they had the, uh, you know, the inheritor helmet were God of men. And made you play different around them because it means they got the very last item or one of the last items. And if they have that, you're much more cautious around them. And all of this, to top it off, could be played split-screen. So if you had a friend over, up to four people split-screen. So if you had a friend over, almost always the game in my Xbox, on rotation, ready to be played, because it was forever fun and never got stale. And when it did, maybe we switched the game out, but who cares? Um, Was Halo. Because you could replay the campaign and try it in different difficulties with different skulls and modifiers. You could redo Firefight. You could change up who's in it. You can play multiplayer. That's always going to be a dynamic thing depending on the people you play with. You can build stuff and forge and fight each other. And then on top of all of that with the split screen, all of it was split screen co-op. The entire campaign from the first moment you step in, every mode was available on split screen and worked pretty fluidly. And then on top of that, it was also incredibly versatile because everything was accessible online so when your buddy went home and wanted to play still the fun wasn't over they hop online you invite them to your party and you get a game going and then even more if you had your one friend over but the other friend was online you could still play split screen but play online with the person who isn't there in person with you I know that doesn't sound like a novel concept because it's in many games now, but Halo Reach is one of the best to do it across the board with no limitations. And that doesn't, isn't seen anymore. It just isn't. You just don't see that. I I think Halo Infinite does that, but it's Halo Infinite I'll get into in a bit. So Halo Reach was the package of all packages. It was my first M game. It was one of, it's my favorite Halo game because it was my first and probably just because of how well it's made. At the time, people didn't like it because of Bloom and because of some of these things that happened. These armor abilities were not loved. That's okay. But as a whole, I think people look back on Halo Reach fondly because of all that it offered, because of how good it was, even with a few of its hiccups. And it was the last Bungie Halo game, and they're the people that made the franchise. And then it switched hands to 343 when Bungie left Microsoft. Went on to make a game called Destiny. Not even going to talk about that, but... Um, but yeah, Halo Reach was, was it for me. And I played that multiplayer. I played more Halo Reach than probably any other game. And last year it was remastered in 4K and or 60 frames per second at 1080p. With new textures, polishing on the Halo Master Chief collection. So if you have Game Pass in any capacity, you can now play Halo Reach remastered on servers where everyone else is playing. Oh, that feels good to have that. I replayed the Halo Reach campaign on Legendary and beat it. It took me a while, but I did it with a few different skulls on. Very proud of it. I did that over 2020 winter break. It's definitely worth it. It was so fun, and I played multiplayer. But nothing would beat getting online with my friends, who I had three or four of. And mind you, when Halo Reach came out, that was the first time I moved across states as well. And so having no friends for the first few months when you move, but being able to be online and play the same game in the same way, it's actually more fun to play online because you're not sharing half of your screen. 
but it was still plenty of fun to play in person. Actually, I, I think it was more fun to play in person because you're there, you're socializing that way, but, but man, having as much fun as we had, I, I, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard, played as long, and never got bored in Halo Reach. And my friends were the same way. We didn't get bored. We didn't switch games. We would play Halo Reach in different game modes within it on multiplayer. But it had so much content and versatility, we would just play it for forever. So Halo Reach will always be a special... will always have a special place in my heart for what it did for me when I was younger. And how it helped me get through a lot of hard times. But also how incredibly well made it was. It was a benchmark for video games, for multiplayer shooters, in my opinion. Now, I understand Halo 3 was pretty much the same thing. Halo Reach just had a different story and improved on some mechanics. I understand that. So that's perfectly fine when people feel that way. Halo 3, Halo Reach, very similar in those ways. And they... You don't see much like it nowadays. So the Bungie era ended with a bang. And Halo Reach is just one of those games that will forever be important to me. So now let's get into the modern Halo games. Halo 4. 2013 or 14, I think is when it came out. And at this point, I was playing Halo Reach consistently for three years. I am a huge Halo fan now. I, uh, I, I didn't quite, this isn't quite the time where I went back and played all the other Halo games because I just didn't have access to them. This is before the Master Chief Collection came out, right? But Halo 4 came out. All my same friends. It only came out two or three years after Halo Reach. We were still playing Halo Reach consistently. All of my friends were so very excited because... We know that Bungie switched hands and that we were kind of worried about that, but we didn't care. It was a new Halo. Like, how could they fuck it up? <sighs> so, with a lot of excitement. A lot of excitement. I was so excited for Halo 4. Because um, I'm like, oh, better graphics, better improvements. Because I knew there were issues in Halo Reach, but I didn't care. I'm like, oh man, if only they improved these things. It changed in ways where I thought it was an overstep. Now, the campaign didn't stick with me. Now, here's why. Because it's continuing the Master Chief storyline. No problem with that. I now understand the storyline. It makes 110%... Well, sort of. It's not a perfect storyline, but it makes sense. Now that I've gone back and played the other Master Chief campaigns. But at the time, remember, I only played Halo Reach, which is a prequel. I knew of Master Chief. I knew he's like a legend. And I knew in Halo Reach you kind of have you take a huge step and your characters kind of do what is necessary to make Master Chief a possibility in the future. It's very cool how that all ties together. The Pillars of Autumn, the final battle, is the very ship Master Chief wakes up on in the first Halo. It's incredible how it's all tied together. It's a lot like Star Wars. Star Wars followed it. Look at Rogue One. Go watch Rogue One. Please go watch Rogue One and see how similar it is to Halo Reach. Anyway, my point is, Halo 4 continued where I, I, where Halo 3 sort of left off. I mean, it was such a big jump. Going from 2007 to... It was a seven-year difference. But it kind of allowed them to do a soft reboot. Not in a way of erasing anything, just in a way of kind of reconfiguring stuff so 343 could take the helm and not be bogged down by the expectations that Bungie put in place. 
To be fair, for three for three, I don't think at any point they've done anything to Halo to purposefully harm the fans. They're fans of it themselves. I think, if anything, it was Microsoft playing a little too cheap and fast. And or also the expectation set. Bungie made one of the most popular and one of the most well-made video game franchises of all time. So if you have to follow that dev's footsteps by continuing that same very franchise, it's just going to be tricky. Just no way to do it properly to the level that people would expect from Bungie. And that's okay. But it hurt, because being a young Halo fan who fell in love with Reach and the next game... The first game that I would be fully allowed to play right off the bat that, um, you know, because by this point I had other games. Black Ops 2 ruled my life at the same time, mind you. So a year and a half after Halo Reach came out, I was finally allowed to play Black Ops 2 and Black Ops 1. But um, I missed the jump on Black Ops 1 because I came out the same year as Halo Reach and that was too realistic. So I had to skip Black Ops 1 and I went back and played that, had fun with it. And then I did that right like months before, like over the summer. So a couple months before Black Ops 2 came out. And holy fuck. Black Ops 2 is one of my all-time favorite games as well for different reasons. But oh my god. Same group of friends I played Halo Reach with, I played so much Black Ops 2 with. So those were our two main games. I have a new group of friends who I say I'm even closer with playing uh, video games with, who I have more fun with now than I did then. But we're not young and we're not stupid and we have lives. And the tricky thing is being an adult gamer with your friends online. It is our, it is my social circle where I get to kick back and have fun and, and, and be social. I don't go out and drink. I don't go out and party. I don't do those things. I game with my buddies online. The trick is what, what, how do we find another game like that? Now Nowadays, games are designed differently and they're more addictive and they're shorter term. I've talked about that in my video game industry, the way quality has declined. It's not just us and it's not just nostalgia. It is partially the quality of games themselves. So there is something to say about that, but, but there's some hopes. There's some promising features. I don't think, I think when you're a kid, your barrier of entry and your suspension of disbelief is different. Halo Reach I was able to play for hours on end because it was the only game I had. I didn't have other choices. It was the only M game I had and compare that to like these other kid games that I had. I'm like, man, fuck those games. I love those games. I still would play those games. I just, you know, like, man, Halo Reach is the only M game. It's the only shooter. It's the only one I could do fully online with with my buddies. I mean, that was it. That was my only option for like eight months and then other games came out and I played other games, mind you, but... But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So it was just, it, and there wasn't any other games. It wasn't as competitive or as open of a market. I do think the beauty in this modern era of digital streaming is there are more games available for people to try and play. It's kind of tricky because you don't know what's good. So I was very fortunate when I was a kid to be raised in on video games that were considered some of the best of their franchise and the ones that everyone was playing, so it's naturally the one you'd be playing. I was very fortunate to be in that group, that age demographic. It made a lot of my childhood, especially my preteen and teenage years, just so much fun. And... um so I know nostalgia is a big part of it, but I did go back and replay Halo Reach. And I have gone back and replayed Black Ops 2. I hope they remaster that. I hope to God they remaster that. 
Um, and it still holds up as a great game. Really fun to play. But that magic of being a kid and having your friends there and all of you just, you know, oh, it's Friday night. We don't have anything tomorrow. We don't have work. We're all kids. We don't have obligations. In fact, you know, I mean, this is at the time when I was in a different state. But, like, if we were living in the same state, I, you know, we'd probably go hang out together. You know, go make little short films. Who would have thought that would have become a career for me? I loved making movies with my friends. Anyway, so I still do. Um, so, yeah. Should we stay up? Of course, we were still kids, so our parents would be like, go the fuck to sleep. You know, <laughs> not like that, but, you know, they'd make us go to bed at some point. But that was that was incredible. We'd have two, three, four hours just playing, laughing to no end. Pure bliss. There's nothing to worry about in those moments. And throughout the school week, we would play and we'd be like, okay, so what are we doing Friday night when we get online together? Because, you know, you might only have a few hours. You want to make it count. And it got to a point where weekly, every night, after we finished our homework and stuff, we're like, oh, I'll be on at 8. I've got from 8 to 10. Great. You know, it's a couple hours every night. When Halo 4 came out, that that changed things. We were later in our middle school, about to enter high school. Um, we had more obligations. But beyond all that personal stuff, Halo 4 wasn't as good. It didn't have as much content. Its art style was a little weird. And its flow and pacing was off. Wasn't a bad game. It was just not to this content-filled masterpiece that we could spend a bajillion hours on. It was a really fun game that we could spend a couple hours on every other day. Not an amazing game that we could spend two to six to ten hours if we're not careful on every day. And I think that was the difference. It was a quality loss. Because things get lost in transition and that's what happened. It was just a, it was a midpoint. It was like, oh, this is a fun, I guess. And uh, we just stuck to playing Black Ops 2 and Halo Reach, really. <laughs> we didn't really fully convert to that. Though we liked it for a while and it was fun. Especially on some of the things they improved upon. So I'm not dissing it completely. I'm just saying, you know. It had a lot to follow up to. And even though it was a couple year, few years later, it was just, it was tricky. Then, the shit show of Halo 5. Now, at this point, I have moved a couple other states. At this point, I'm in, I'm in a different state by now. In middle of high school... And enough time, or just starting high school, because it was like 2015, 2016, I just moved to Charleston, South Carolina. You know, what's interesting is every time I move, one of the big franchise games comes out, usually, almost every time I move, other than COD. COD comes out every year. I know that's not unique. Um, but like big games to me, like Battlefield 1 came out when I moved to North Carolina. Halo 5, even though it wasn't a great game, was a huge game at the moment. And it was just really, a lot of people were playing it. Came out when I moved to South Carolina. So, you know, these things happen. Anyway, um, my point is, um, Halo 5 was weird. Halo 5 was had an identity crisis beyond any other Halo. While Halo 4 was okay and had some strong points, Halo 5 was not okay. There was something deeply, deeply upsetting and wrong about it. 
its gameplay loop changed in a very odd, off-putting way. Its um, art design was okay, but it just wasn't as great. It had brutally fucked up microtransactions in a mode called Warzone, unrelated to Modern Warfare. It was a weird mixed bag of confusion, and the story was not interesting. The, the promos and teasers were really made it look like old Master Chief becomes the enemy. But why? Why is he on the run? Is it explainable? That's an interesting story dynamic. To have a team hunt down Master Chief. Master Chief becomes the bad guy. Why? Maybe he's actually bad. Or maybe, and hopefully not, but maybe it's just something where he's misunderstood, but for good reason. Or maybe he's doing something against the grain, but it's actually for a better cause. Eh, sort of, all those, but sort of not. It's just kind of half-assed story and just kind of gave up midway through and just like, eh, whatever, fuck it. Let's just make a cinematic, add some punches in there. Halo, as a franchise, has always treated its players as if they're smart enough to understand its concepts. It's not rocket science, it's not the most complex game, but it is complex. More complex than many games that have that age level playing it consistently. That have 10 through 14 year olds playing it. It is more complex for a first person shooter. It does have themes and ideas of philosophy, of religion, of science, of science fiction, of course, um, of all these concepts and campaign of life and loss and war and the tolls of it and the psychology and the 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 pain it does have um in-depth mechanics of use this gun don't use this gun this enemy will do this makes you think a little more right it treats you like you know what you're doing from an intellectual standpoint and everything that's in there is placed in there strategically for the purpose of benefiting the gameplay and benefiting you if you're smart enough or know how and when to use it. It's not a crutch. It's not a power-up. It's not something you can buy that just makes life easier. It's something you work for or understand when and how to use it. Halo 5 dumped a lot of that thought behind because it was trying to keep up with COD and Titanfall. Oddly enough, and I mentioned this in the Titanfall podcast, and go check that out, and if you've never played Titanfall 2, please do, and it sounds like they might be making a Titanfall 3. Thank you, Jesus, please. Respawn, just make Titanfall 3, make it almost the same gameplay loop, a little more flexibility, customization. We need Titanfall to be the juggernaut of a first-person shooter franchise. We've got Battlefield, even though of its failures. We've got Call of Duty, even though it's changing, and we've got Halo, even though it's ups and downs. We need another AAA juggernaut that can stay on par with them over time. And Titanfall is the one I think we should have. So check out that podcast on that. But anyway, um, they were scared of Titanfall. Titanfall had X, uh, Bungie, X343, and X, more specifically, Activision, Infinity War, uh, Infinity Ward <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, devs. And they came together and formed Respawn Entertainment which was acquired by EA very quickly. And they made Titanfall. And Titanfall is this phenomenal first-person shooter grounded in hyper-realism, futuristic sort of things. So not quite as sci-fi flashy as Halo and not quite as grounded realism as COD. Right in between. District 9-esque. Think about that movie. Or kind of like Elysium or something like that. Grungy but still cyber technic whatever cyber technical improvements you have these huge titan mechs 
and you can call one in at any once you power up your meter and do enough as a pilot and as a pilot you have these jump packs on your suit that allows you to wall run fluidly as you jump around you have really cool guns it's a multiplayer suite you shoot people call in your titan you fuck shit up in your titan it's an extremely well-designed, polished, and satisfying gameplay loop that's perfectly balanced. You would think that would be very unbalanced. It's not. It's very well made. Titanfall 2 only improved on that by making a heart-wrenching and very, very fun campaign, adding way more weapons and titans and titan classes and customization and upgrades for that so you have something to grind for and improve upon with new game modes and a larger player base and better graphics and um, performance fidelity. So Titanfall 2 is just a massive improvement over Titanfall 1, and the movement in that game is... There's nothing else like it. The wall running, the double jumping, the grappling hook, the sliding, all of it is so fluid, and it's not overpowered because everyone else can do it. It's a skill gap. Can you do it better and faster? Can you shoot and do it? And can you perform these cool moves? And it's, and the Titans have their own movesets and abilities. They're huge. They can't wall run and shit, but they're huge. They're very powerful. Some of them have those, they all have special abilities that are unique to them and special weapons that are unique to them. And you can upgrade the strength and swap out some of the special abilities they use between each class. And then on top of all of that, you can fight Titans, you can fight ti- uh, pilots, and then... When all said and done there, um, you can call on your Titan multiple times. You have to do get enough kills and points and, and wait long enough. It's a combination of all those before you can call it in. But if you do really well in the game, you might be able to call it one or two times, if not three. Um, but beyond that, just because a Titan can easily kill a pilot, it's not that easy. Because a pilot is smaller and faster, and it's kind of hard to shoot one when they're in motion. And they can get behind cover and dodge and hide. And if the Titan's distracted with other things and enemies. Also, every pilot is equipped with an anti-Titan weapon. A, a, a cannon or something that actually does damage and can kill it over time. It's not easy, but it's just it's doable. And on top of that, the pilot can jump on the Titan and cause a mass amount of damage. So the pilot has equally equal near equal ability. It's not just where if you get a Titan, it's over and it's unbalanced. I took down three Titans as a pilot once. Before I could even call in mine. So the balancing and the gameplay. So Titanfall 3, I have some high hopes for it because if they didn't fuck up on Titanfall 2 where they really could have. So I only hope the best for Respawn if that's actually greenlit and they're doing that. Anyway, my point is... Um, Titanfall scared the industry. Of first person shooters because they saw how well made it was and how well received it was it just didn't sell that's ea's fault they fucked them over they released titanfall 2 and then a couple weeks later they released battlefield 1 and who do you think what do you think people are gonna buy and battlefield 1 was a phenomenal game one of the best games of that year i bought both because i'm not an idiot and i know they're both great they should have given titanfall 2 its own time slot in the sun in the spotlight should have forced people's hands into buying that because it was a phenomenal game and it deserved a bigger fan base. Thanks to Apex Legends' success, people are aware of the universe, but there's no Titans in it, and it, I don't like it for that. I mean, I know it's great and all, and I know people are specially connected to that, and it's their most popular game, and good for them. But it takes place in the same universe as Titanfall, and Titanfall, there's just some beauty to it. And if you were playing the first Titanfall in 2015, then you understand. 
It's a gem, and it deserves more. So, moving away from that tangent, the point is Halo 5 was massively scared, as was Call of Duty. So you saw the next three Call of Duty iterations do double jumping, boosting, wall running, parkour. Halo had Dash and Smash, funny enough, and um, and allowed uh, double jumping and light mantling and very, very light, brief wall running. Wasn't as egregious of a copy as COD did, but it was it was apparent. The entire movement changed to be faster and reaction-based, like a Call of Duty or like a Titanfall. Titanfall works because that's the point of Titanfall. You're supposed to move quickly. The map design, the Titans, the weapons, everything's designed around the pilot moving quickly, the Titan moving slowly, but both of them working uh, uh, harmoniously and or when they're fighting each other in a beautiful, balanced, mixed, asymmetrical combat arena. That's the point. COD isn't designed for that. COD is designed as boots on ground. Halo is designed as boots on ground. What makes Halo unique apart from Titanfall is its weapons, its enemy variety, and the skills of the players you face and the map design. You don't need advanced movement in Halo. Unless it's a power-up or something, and that's different. But, um... So that, mixed with the Warzone, mind you, not COD Warzone, a Warzone where it was a really cool idea, just cost money, and that's where they pumped microtransactions in. Those two modes with a mediocre campaign that didn't hit on story really made Halo 5 a disappointment across the board and destroyed the faith and reputation of Halo. It just absolutely obliterated it. And this was, and it took a year after the Xbox One release, and this was really the only notable exclusive to Xbox, and it wasn't even that good. So it was all around a huge swing, a huge miss, and a painful one at that. So where the fuck do you go from there for Halo? It's monumental rise to success between Halo 1 and Halo 2, and then Halo 3 being the most profitable and successful video game seller of that year. Halo 2 and Halo 3. Back to back when in the years that they sold were the most profitable games and as well as beat out many movies. And it garnered the one of the largest, most dedicated fan bases to a game. And with Halo 3 and Halo Reach's custom game and Forge, it expanded the community tenfold with YouTube channels, with Red vs. Blue, with a bunch of skits. The community of Halo was so fucking large that even though they all played Call of Duty, so many people played Halo. The only people who didn't are people who didn't have an Xbox. And mind you, 360 was the was the leader. And Bungie left after 360 was before the 360 era was over. So, so that was the other issue 343 had to face going into the next generation between 2014, 2015, and 16. That was that switch, or 20, I'm sorry, 2012-2014. That, that was that transition into the next generation of Xbox and, and all consoles. And that's when Halo 4 came out. God, that was a crazy time in my life. So anyway, um, Halo 4 was, a, was okay, but a disappointment and somewhat forgettable, to me at least. Halo 5 was a big departure to what we know and love as Halo so we haven't had a Halo that felt like Halo up until the point of when Halo 5 came out. We haven't had one for about five to six years, and that's a big issue. 
Then this little gem comes along called the Halo Master Chief Collection in late 2015, early 2016, I believe. Maybe later. This was one of the smartest moves 3 for 3 ever did. Because this game, as shitty and fucked up and buggy as it was at launch, as a whole and in its theory, was very, very well done and smart. And eventually, over years and years, by 2020, it was actually, it's finally fully fucking working to the way it should have been at release, which is unfortunate, but it was, it's a beautiful thing that what it did. Because, now mind you, it's before Game Pass was out, so that's another thing to keep in mind. But, regardless of that, for, what, $60, I got it on sale, but for $60, you could buy Halo Master Chief Collection, and with that, you get a remastered up to the best of its ability of the time, HD and 60 frames or more stability and erasing a lot of the bugs and just polishing and finesse, remastered campaigns of Halo 1, 2, 3, as well as all the multiplayer suites, oh, and 4, 1, 2, 3, and 4, Five Halo 5 Guardians was out at the time and it was separate from that bundle, it's still not in there actually, funny enough, um, I think it should be. Anyway, uh, so you get to have all the campaigns and all the modes on new servers dedicated for it. So it's not old servers that don't work anymore or that were decommissioned. It's new servers for all of them. And the progression goes across all the games. You can change your customizations and your in your key bindings and your controller configurations. You can set which ones you prefer. So you can pick your favorite Halo game. You can uninstall the campaign and keep the multiplayer of this game and that game and mix and match so you don't take up as much storage. It's the Halo Suite remastered with new servers for everyone to play on the same playing field. So it's always active with play people playing it. An ingenious move. It was buggy. It didn't always work. It wasn't perfect. But it was a great way to go back and replay the campaigns that I didn't have access to before. And that's when I did that. Then, of course, in 2020, they added Halo Reach. They said, fuck it, who cares? And they added Halo 3 ODST. And Halo Reach was remastered, 4K, 60, like I said. Dedicated to the new servers because they closed the servers of the original Halo Reach. So if you play Halo Reach on your 360 still, you will not be able to play online. Those servers are done for. Which is kind of a shame because it was its own thing. But, um, but now you can still play the game to its entirety. It's maps, it's gunplay at better frame rates than ever, better performance, and progress through the entire Halo Master Chief progression tier systems. And it's incredibly fun. It's a little weird. You could tell how dated some of the control schemes are, and they need to add Dead Zone uh, customization, because that's a fucking weird thing to not have Dead Zone for your left stick, for your movement stick. For an Xbox controller. For an Xbox exclusive. Very weird. But anyway. Regardless of that. It's a phenomenal package. And now. Right now. For people with Game Pass. You can download it for free. It has all the Halos. Other than 5 and Infinite now. All the. Spinoffs. And you know. Not Halo Wars. All the main entries of Halo games. And. You can choose. The multiplayer, the, da, da, da. and you have to download all of them first, and then you go into the game, and then you can remove the the files for this campaign and this multiplayer if you don't want them. 
currently on my Master Chief collection, I only have Halo Reach campaign and multiplayer on there. But, you know, I can go in and add whichever one, and it's not too bad. So that was a great addition. And that kind of held us over and allowed us to replay in and, and, and new ways and explore and do new things. But, but it wasn't a new Halo. And Halo 5 was disappointing. So for Halo fans, and there's plenty of other great games that came out in between them, but for Halo fans, what was the next step and what did 343 need to do? Because they're on the cusp, it's make or break. I feel like by their third Halo, mind you, by the third Halo, Bungie made the best Halo, one of the, considered one of the best Halos of all time. And they had to make it from the ground up with way less resources and no fan base. So in some ways it was easier because no expectations, but also by the time they made Halo 2 and then made Halo 3, the expectations were monumental. And by the time they made Halo Reach, they were at an all-time high. So what the fuck would 343 do going into making their third original Halo game? Because Master Chief Collection they made and serviced and all that, and that's phenomenal, but it's not an original game. So what do they do? Now we know. So, Halo 5 Guardians was a disappointment. It was six long years of waiting with Master Chief barely holding us over as it improved dramatically, right? With the addition of Halo Reach, its bug fixes, its server maintenance issues, its redesign of the UI, and its polish and finesse, it really became the full package. And once it was available on Game Pass, it was worth downloading and playing for any Halo fan or enthusiast. So, for that, it really was, it's a phenomenal deal. It still is to this day. 2019, we were getting anxious. We started hearing words and rumors swirling about this Halo 6 project that it was to leave behind some of the poor story threads that were uh, started up in Halo 5 and to do a soft redesign back to the core of what Halo is and should be while still allowing modern and innovative twists to the formula. But speculation is speculation. Leaks and rumors and teases are just that. They're not concrete. They're not viable to the actual understanding of what a game is to be. You don't know a game until you play it, and hell, you really don't know until you spend enough hours in it to understand the depth and complexity and changes throughout the time of the game. Then E3 2020. Or, I'm sorry, E3 2019, technically. Summer 2019, right? Or was it 2020? Yeah. It was 2019. Showed Halo for the first time. We had trailers at that point. We had teaser trailers. The hype was real. But the first gameplay trailer in summer of 2019, I believe. Yeah. Showed gameplay of Master Chief back at the helm on a new Halo, on a new world. Zeta Halo ring much to the ilk of the first Halo campaign with its open, expansive environments and its sweeping, luscious plains. That kind of pulled you in and made you want to explore, made you curious. It's the first Halo entry to go fully open world, not just open levels segmented and corridored and off. And, no, no, full open world. With its own storyline as a soft reboot, with new abilities weapons, art style, and gameplay mechanics to boast, with new enemy types and variants as well.
and much better graphics, but it was unpolished in this E3 demo. It was looking rough. In fact, it was so rough and graphically poor in its presentation of the actual visual fidelity that people got scared because it looked like it should belong on a 2015, 13, 12, or worse. Actually, Halo Reach had better graphics, so 2009. This game looked like it came out in 2009, this preview. That was coming out in 2019. And thank God the fans and the general consensus of the public was so egregious because as unfortunate as it is for the development team, it made them go back and fix the graphical issues, as well as made them look at some of the core structures and some other things that they changed and improved. They delayed the game by an entire year because of it. Now, if you understand anything about video game development, you can't solely blame the developers, right? They're often rushed and pushed to push a product before they should be uh, allowed to release it and a bunch of other things, and E3 demos are no fucking joke. Because while you are in the middle of making the game still, and finishing it, and testing it, and making it be so, when you're slated to do an E3 presentation, you have to have X amount of time as playable content, finished and polished, and that means you have to take separate team out of the core team, away from actually developing the game to develop the segment that you're going to preview. And the only thing they have to do is make it look shiny, make it play, make it look as... Make that one chunk finished to the quality of what the game will most likely look like and play like in a two-month time frame. And they just couldn't do it in time. It just didn't render. It didn't work. And that's okay. Because we didn't have another watchdog situation where it looked so goddamn beautiful and above its time. And then we found out they were using pre-built engine things, not real game engine footage, which is different. If you have a pre-built cutscene with CGI and fully rendered stuff that's so polished, but it's not actual gameplay, it's just animation, that's fine. It looks great, but that's just cinematics, and that's good. And if it was a film or an animation or a short film, that's beautiful. But for this, you need to make it playable. And when you take it away from a, um, a set formula and you put it in the player's hands, that's different. It makes the entire way everything's designed different. So when people actually played Watch Dogs, it looked dramatically worse than what was promised because what they were showing was made to fool you into thinking that's what the gameplay footage was. That's why you see those disclaimers at the bottom. And it's something to look out for. This was an in-engine built part of the gameplay loop. And a lot of it holds true to how the gameplay feels and looks. But it wasn't polished or finessed in a way, and it wasn't quite as clean and stable as people wanted, and it scared the community. Because it took six years to get to that. Now, who knows what actually took the time and the ups and ebbs and flows of the economy and the pandemic and the company itself and focusing on Master Chief Collection and all these other things at play. But after all this time, that's what you have to show. Scared people. So they said, we're sorry, and they went back to the drawing board. The smartest move Halo Infinite made out of many smart moves. They went back to the drawing board. They missed the window to jump 
to release the flagship title that birthed the Xbox. Um, that helped birth it, I should say. And they, they instead opted to release it a year after the new Xbox generation drops. A big loss in profits and in hype. It's a big deal, people. And for all the shit you may want to give Microsoft, and they do deserve some, uh, some blame for when things don't go right, of course. But this is a good call on Microsoft's part for allowing them to do that. For understanding how important it is to make it a finished product. Instead of saying, fuck it, it'll be okay, we'll fix it later. I can't imagine how bad the game and how lacking it would have been if they did that. Because the multiplayer was probably not even built at the time. They needed that extra year. I I think COVID was a big part of it. They had to develop at home. It's a whole different environment and it's it's so much slower to work remotely on things like that. That's a collaborative process where you need the resources of the, the, the largest, one of the largest corporations on earth at your disposal. Um, so that probably also slowed them down and is probably a good reason to why it took them longer than it might have. So I think that's important to understand and to note as we go forward in discussing Halo Infinite. Um, they really did polish it. The game is beautiful. It does run buttery smooth. And the gameplay loop, and by that, the mechanics and the way you move, the way you shoot, all the pieces are there true to the Halo core, like I said earlier, as like a chess game. Intricate. With new weapons, new boss and enemy variants, all new flashy stuff. But it all is impactful and meaningful. Sound design is at an all-time high. Music score is just swells up and takes over the entire atmosphere. Um, the visuals are pretty incredible and quite beautiful. To the smallest detail particles on your armor. To the, you know, draw distance and the long uh, views. Everything feels tight and punchy. And it feels satisfying. And that's important. In a game like Halo. The movement speed. They have sprint now. <gasps> As an automatic... The, one of the many debated mechanics over the years where the original Halos didn't have an actual dedicated sprint button. Halo Reach added to sprintability. Then we had fast dash and really hyper sprinting in Halo 5. So, ebb and flow. Halo, nowadays, people are accustomed to getting around quicker. And I'm glad they added that because that would have been brutal to not have it. You can now sprint. You can now mantle onto objects. You can slide and jump much faster. So you can do light parkour. Very clever maneuvering. It allows you to move quickly, but it's not jetpacks and jump it, jumping and rocket boosting and all that shit. You're still planted to the ground. Then they added the grapple hook. A new ability that you could pick up off the field at any point. And only It's on a cooldown, so you can't spam it. It only has a few uses in it before you lose the ability and you need to pick up it, pick it up again or recharge it or something. It is incredible. It changes... It. Grappling hooks in most games are always great. They're fun. They make you feel like Spider-Man. They look awesome. And they allow you to traverse quickly. And allow you to get some elevation. In this open world game in the campaign, the grappling hook, I just keep on me at all times. 
I don't even try anything else. I don't want to. The other abilities are phenomenal, but the grappling hook in the open world to navigate when you're on foot is so nice. It allows new levels of verticality. Whether you're slingshotting yourself across a, a canyon, or you're grabbing something and pulling it closer to you, or you're latching onto someone to pull yourself closer to them for an attack, it's all very satisfying, it's very fluid, and it's cool as hell. A very welcomed addition that adds a whole new layer of refreshed movement. That's what all that's all people could talk about. The grapple hook. That's one ability of many that are very nice to have. The repulsor is another notable one. Active camo as always is super good. If you put on active camo and you stand perfectly still, ain't nobody gonna fucking see you. I swear to god, it's too good. If you move around a little bit, there's a chance for someone to see you, but it's few and far between. Now, once you shoot or kill someone, then you're shown more and more when you get shot at, of course. But, man, oh man, is that a powerful ability. Overshield's an interesting addition. I don't love it, when I, but I understand, and it's, it's okay. And there's a couple others. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty unique in that sense. But the movement mechanics are <clears throat> chef's kiss, probably perfect for what this is. The gunplay is beautiful. Everything feels responsive. When you aim and you shoot at something, it lands. Every gun is unique in its art, its animation, and the way it does damage and the way it shoots and reloads. Um, melee weapons are punchy and feel great. Energy sword is better than ever. Gravity hammer. Playing this game is the most satisfying and one of the best constructed from a gameplay mechanics Halo has ever had. It's tight, it's responsive, it feels punchy, and everything you do feels like it has a punch behind it and is meaningful. And that carries over in multiplayer, of course, and that's what makes it a multiplayer the way it is. The art design's also good, too. It's a nice middle ground between Bungie-style Halo art for the armor sets and everything and 343. With some interesting twists, so it's it still it feels very traditional Halo, like all the Spartan suits we grew up and loved, but it still is refreshing and new without feeling way out and not like a Halo art style. It still feels thematically connected, which is important. The armor in Halo is very pivotal to the franchise and its identity. Um, but yeah, the movement was just a beautiful way to redefine it. Halo Reach's movement is good. It's not great at all. And when you go back and you play Halo Reach after playing Halo Infinite, you won't want to play Halo Reach anymore. And that doesn't take away from Halo Reach. That just shows how fucking good Halo Infinite has it. Beyond Halo 5, beyond Halo 4. Unless they can improve upon what they just struck gold with, they shouldn't fucking touch it for a while until they need to. Because it is absolutely perfectly balanced. And it must have taken forever to get it just right to the feeling and to the balance of how it actually plays out multiplayer, specifically. Almost all the guns are great. They have their own usage, right? So they specialize in certain moments and purposes. The assault rifle has a new redefined feeling to it in the sense that it's still your classic Halo AR, but you can now aim down sights with these guns. They're not great unless they have a scope like the battle rifle or the sniper rifle or the the stalker rifle or any kind of specialized long-range weapon but all of them can now zoom in better than any other halo and the accuracy of the AR if you do controlled burst fires is better and it does just a slight smidge more damage 
Whereas in Halo Reach and other Halo games previous, the AR was solid, but it felt like it had the range of a shotgun, and it would take the entire magazine to kill one enemy. So it's not it's not the most powerful gun. It's a standard infantry weapon. It's not supposed to be the most powerful gun, and that's okay. Throws people for a loop, though, because that's the gun you start with. Uh, the pistol? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Keep the sidekick. Not the sidekick. Unfortunately, I wish they called it psychic, but keep the sidekick in that balance. That pistol is phenomenal. It feels impactful. It feels better than many pistols from Modern Warfare 2019. And it's hard to explain how gunplay feels in a video game when it's not a real gun, but the haptic feedback to the recoil pattern, to the damage you put, to the sound effects adds a lot. Sound is very important in everything we do. Um, it's all just so so goddamn satisfying so that's a good starting point battle rifles as good as always i wish they had the dmr i don't know why they don't powerful single shot marksman semi-auto rifle sniper rifles back in business better than ever which i'm happy about rocket launcher all your classic weapons i do wish they added the dmr i know people some people might say it doesn't make sense and then um i don't recall if it was in halo 5 i believe it was but it was definitely in halo 4 and it was great in halo 4 Halo Reach, it was great, and, you know, if they didn't add it in Halo 4 or Halo 5 at all, I could see your point in how the DMR was in Halo Reach, because that's a prequel, so the, that weapon and weaponry won't, wouldn't be available in the more modern times of the Halo timeline, but that's bullshit, because it's just a marksman rifle and single fire, and it's very effective, so first off, the US, uh, USC, no, <laughs> the US, uh, the USSC would never get Red, I mean, they, why would they? Not the USMC. Fucking brains fried. It's been a very exhaustive weekend. The USMC would never. In Halo, not in real life. The Halo, the Marines in Halo, right? And the Spartan program. In their storyline, why would they ever get rid of a DMR? It makes no sense, right? Unless there's something I'm missing between the books or something I missed in the campaign. As you can tell, I haven't played the campaign in a while of the older games. It's been a, it's been two or three years, so bear with me as I try to go from memory of all these acronyms and military terms that aren't actual military stuff. Because I know military stuff more than I know Halo military. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, I mean, it was in Halo 4, though, which is the newer timeline. So, if you have it there, and I believe it's in Halo 5, I could be mistaken, why is it not in Halo Infinite? That just seems like a very, very odd omission. I know you have the battle rifle, but it's not the same. So, Halo Infinite is a phenomenal game from its gameplay. The multiplayer suite is fun. The multiplayer is really, really fucking fun to play. You could play it for forever. It's that kind of level of fun recaptured again. It's just incredible across the board. Oh, and also they released the multiplayer before anyone was expecting it. They released it a month before they said they would, and it's free to play. And they just dropped it to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Halo. So they're like, here you go. And it was still in beta. It had the beta tag, and it had some fixes when it was officially not allow, uh, launched. And I have a whole two different episodes on Halo Infinite specifically. But real quick, here are some of the issues with Halo Infinite that desperately needed fixing. Critical critical issues that could sink this game before it really deserves before it 
before it even takes off. It has had in incredible moves. It's an incredibly built game from the ground up, and it has a lot of an enormous potential to reinvigorate this franchise and take it to levels it's never been. It can very, very easily and feels like it could easily fuck this up in no time. I'm giving them till the end of season three. We're still in season one. So we have a year, I would think, roughly. Till the end of 2022, maybe? Season two comes out in a couple weeks. Like one or two weeks now. Which is exciting. Season one in multiplayer. I'm just talking multiplayer now. Campaign is solid. I don't personally love it as an open world. I like Halo as a more closed in with open environments, but that's that's okay. It's not a bad open world. It's just not my style for Halo. Um, story is okay too, but it's, it's better. I think the campaign in Halo Infinite is better than four and five. So that's saying something. Anyway, um, so my multiplayer is some of the best multiplayer in Halo I've ever played but it's not in its content the lack of the content is is odd it's just weird it's not even that it's surprising it's disappointing and it's hurtful but it's weird because Halo is known for content and multiplayer and Halo Reach's launch there's like 26 modes and 18 maps in its launch a decade ago Halo Infinite in its launch had six modes and like ten maps. Now, the map design is phenomenal. All the maps are actually really well designed and really fun. But why not have a few classic maps returned, remastered? I know they're on a different Halo ring, so that wouldn't make sense, but do we really care? Like, I don't think anybody would care. And I know you have the Halo Master Chief Collection, you say you just go back and play those games remastered, and you can, and definitely do. It's viable, and it's super fun. I would love to see Sword Base, or a new version of Sword Base, Sword Base 2.0, which is the same as Sword Base, just, just keep it the same. The only thing is you just call it that so it makes sense in the storyline. Oh, they rebuilt Sword Base after Reach, blah, 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 whatever. Um... That map in Halo Infinite's gameplay loop with its weapon? Ugh. Sign me the fuck up. I'd never play on a different multiplayer map. So there needs to be more map variety. There needs to be more maps by now. And the only reason why I say this is because it's not that we're the first month in or even second month in. Second, first three months, I could somewhat excuse. But even then, you'd need bug fixes and some content for if you're doing a live service game, which they are marketing it as. Some new seasons, some new events, some new... Um, maps and modes and bug fixes and playlists and shit like that. It's six months in and we haven't gotten dick except two new playlists, which are great and really good additions, but nothing else. They're all pushing it back. And the other crippling issue that this game has that no other Halo has had other than this one is there's no Forge and there's no custom games. What the fuck? Seriously. It's just campaign and multiplayer. And for money games, that's fine. That's plenty of content. But the multiplayer doesn't have even half the modes that other multiplayers in Halo have. But the assets are there. It's just programming it. It's not even programming it. It's there in custom games. They do have custom games. I'm sorry. They have custom games. It's not that it's not completely there. It's just not really working. 
it didn't work for the first four months. It's finally now somewhat working, but it doesn't actually work. It's so buggy, it's glitchy, it doesn't have all the features it should, and they say we're improving it. It's almost like just don't use it right now. It's like it's got caution tape over it. That's what it is, so I don't even use it. There's no point. For the most part, I, I have used it to host a few of my friends, and that's fun, and you can kind of play around with it. It's very simple, and you can. it's now working more. It, it's not so buggy where it crashes, but, but loading special modes that you create, yeah, good luck. It's really just so you can play against your friends in a controlled environment, and that's fine for many games, but see, the thing in Halo, Halo's custom games is when it's with Forge, you could build your own map, save that map, then design your own game mode. Oh, we're playing SWAT, but instead of DMRs or BRs, you have, um, you have a, uh, a shotgun, and you have 200% speed, and you have half, you have 50% gravity loss, or 50% added to gravity weight. And we're playing on these three map rotations, and it's called Boom Dash or something. I don't know, whatever. And then you make that mode, you combine it with the forge map you created, and then you have an entire new game mode and map that you just made in 30 minutes. It's very easy, user interface friendly, to make an entire new mode and map. It's the most engaging social communi community aspect of Halo. It's what makes Halo so popular because you can go and you can play the base game, and that's perfectly fine. Most people just do that anyway, and it's super fun. And then. When you want to fuck around with friends or experiment or build your own map, you can. And have your own roster. And play on those maps. It's completely viable. I made incredible maps on Forge. Racing tracks and stuff. And in the custom server search, you could find people who uploaded theirs and everyone's playing on them. these hosted servers. Playing these derbies and playing these and some of these things were so popular made by the community that the devs um took that as the blueprint polished it tweaked it made it a little more flush you know a little more polished with the finesse and the funding of an actual dev behind the game and then released it in a full playlist rotation as an actual game mode it gave it made the players express and creatively decide and choose and have fun at their own whims when there wasn't a mode that didn't quite fit them because all the assets and elements are there. So it's just mixing and matching and figure out how you want to do it, if you want to. And then it gave the devs a break so they didn't have to feel like they have to constantly put out new content on their own terms because the community would make their own content. And if the devs like it so much, then they use that as a benchmark to put in full rotation what the fools possess. It was a foolproof system that would still hold true today. The custom games is limited and there's no forge. And there's no community behind it. It doesn't feel like you can run into a bunch of people. It doesn't feel like a huge community. It feels like a very small arena, even though many people play it. Halo Reach felt massive every time you played it online, especially Big Team Battle. But it felt like, it felt like there was just a lot more to it. And I think that was something that we we have to remember. That even when you're in a small lobby or with a handful of people, it still felt like when you leave that, it even showed how many people were online and playing those specific modes, so that helped. But like even then, you could just load into a huge game of 30, 
40 people, which was big at the time in 2010, or, or whatever, the size was 24 people total, or 24v24, or whatever, and it was, it felt massive. Everyone had their own armors, and we're playing this wacky mode, and the scale of it is important sometimes to, to emphasize the community, to highlight the similarities. I think that's kind of important. So, I don't know. Hill Infinite's lacking in that because if Forge is gone, it's going to be added soon. They're working on it. They said it just took extra time. They weren't able to hit their window for that. They didn't want to delay the whole game. Uh, that's okay, I guess. But if you're going to do that, then have more modes because they're sorely lacking playlists with diversity in modes. And you can't choose which modes you want to jump into. They just added SWAT, which is fun, but they rotate it with random weapons, so it's not consistent. If you're going to have a SWAT playlist, a tactical playlist, I don't know why they call it a tactical playlist if all it is is one game mode. Just have the game mode and then show the variance of that. Show what, just be more transparent. I don't want to just hit the playlist and hope to God I load in with the weapon I want. I like SWAT. It's my favorite mode. So I'm going to play that most often. But if you don't give me a choice, like, show me. Show me what maps are in rotation. Even if I don't get to control which ones. I wish there was map voting as well, but beyond that, um... Right now, they have this this thing in Tactical SWAT on Halo Infinite, which is cool. You know, you might get spawned with the Mangler, you might get spawned with the BR, the Stalker Rifle, and for some reason, the Commando Assault Rifle. That shouldn't be in the rotation. That doesn't make any sense. Mangler is weird, but it's kind of fun. It's a challenge. Oh, and the Sidekick Pistol. That's hella fun. Show me which ones. Maybe I can check it off as a preference, so there's a least likelihood I get the uh, Commando one. I'm fine with all the other guns. Or if I'm not in the mood for manglers that day, I can just check battle battle rifle, stalker rifle, and sidekick pistols so I know those are the only ones I'll get. Or a higher chance. And so it's a much slimmer chance of me put in a lobby with the weapons I don't want. At least give us that flexibility if you're just making us hit playlists that change in and out sometimes. Um, it's not to say the gameplay is super fun. The maps are good. We need more of them. But the gameplay is phenomenal. That's what's carrying this. That's why I still play this. That's why I went back and played Master Chief Collection a couple days ago, and it was fun with more modes and plenty of people playing it, but it just wasn't there. just didn't feel as fun because the gameplay was so much different. Halo Infinite felt more, just more fun to play, but there's not the modes I want, and there's not the community to back it, and that's a fucking issue. That if they don't get that shit in a pile by the end of 2022, this game is dead in the water. And it sucks because it's a phenomenal game and it doesn't deserve what's, what it's going through. They haven't done balances. They've done small bug fixes. They haven't done balances. Any new maps. Any new... One new playlist. Or two new playlists, maybe. But no new substantial addition to the game modes. And they're not... I mean, we're talking... We're talking Griffball. We're talking um, mixed teams. We're talking um, action sack of all those, those kinds of fun, more party, more zany games. We're talking infection, team snipers. They don't have those in there. It's been six months in a Halo multiplayer game, a premier release Halo game. And then, of course, the battle pass progression shit is just out of control.
You need to get better XP and armor cores need to be eliminated. You get a bunch of cool, the art design's cool. You get a lot of cool paints and skins and amazing armor details and works. And it makes you really look unique and cool. It's some of the best artistry and work to look cool and unique. It's locked behind paywalls that are so fucking unbalanced and egregious. But also, it's not the end of the world, it's cosmetic, I don't like it. But, but then, even if you get some special helmet, you can only apply it to other armor core sets that are relative to that. Which is like, what? So you get a dope helmet and you want to mix match. You get a samurai helmet. Because that Tenrai event was just dope. The samurai armor is amazing. And you want to put it on a more traditional Noble Six since the first season was about the Heroes of Reach. So you want to put on your Noble Six armor with the samurai helmet. You can't. I mean, maybe you specifically can for that set. I'm not actually sure. But I just say in general, like... As a theory, you can't mix and match like that because they're not the same core. They need to be a Mark IV suit or whatever. I don't get it. The entire purpose of it is not for any other reason but to restrict you so you feel like you have to buy more to match that set. If you're not reading carefully and you buy something that looks dope, great. Good on you. That's your decision. It's your purchase. But then if it doesn't match with the set you wanted to, you're shit out of luck. That's fucked up. They need to get rid of armor cores at the very least. That way people can mix and match and, and express themselves. They made it a big deal. Battle passes don't go away. It's a free-to-play game. Yes, there's microtransactions, but it's only for cosmetic. And we're making it so you still earn a lot of cool stuff. And you get to make yourself unique and express yourself the way you want. That's how they marketed it, of course. It's not exactly how it is. All the elements are there. They just need to get rid of armor core and reduce the prices. And all these kinds of things, all the coolest stuff, shouldn't be behind a paywall. They should at least have you earn it. So Halo Infinite needs some help. And Season 2 is very promising. New armor sets, balancing across the board, bug fixes across the board. That's always good. Server maintenance and stability is going to help, of course. But that isn't the real issues. What they are adding is new game modes and playlists that will permanently stay. Thank God. Two new maps isn't enough, but we'll take it. One arena map, one big team battle map. And uh, restructuring of some of the battle pass stuff, but... It's been six months, and they should do more. Now, this is just the initial season update. That doesn't mean that they won't have more throughout the season, mid-season updates that will significantly change and help. Hopefully they do. They probably do. They just don't have it on a time set. This is all that they know they could release on that day and deliver properly. And if that's the case, fine. If it's not, then what the fuck are we doing? Ideally, six months in for a live service game that was bare bones to begin with, what should happen, what should have happened by now is slowly and surely, bi-weekly or monthly at the very least, but at least bi-weekly, bi-weekly you have a small update, weapon balances, a new temporary feature, mode, a new armor set, something fresh, just bi-weekly, bug fixes, balances, so you can, so the community knows you hear them and you're fixing it every two weeks and then monthly a new game mode playlist game mode whatever even more um, bug fixes and balances as you see fit and then maybe every two months a new map at that rate we'd have at least six new maps and at least six new game modes playlist game modes 
there should be no reason we don't have these game modes. They're in every other Halo. And you can literally, if the custom games wasn't so restrictive as they are right now, people could make them so you wouldn't have to. And that's what baffles me. If you know you're limited in content on Halo Infinite's multiplayer suite, okay, fine. You still delivered a great game that plays well and isn't buggy and is fun. But if you're lacking content, you are the one franchise that has an expected two tools that literally compensates for that across the board. Custom Games and Forge. If they released with that, instead of focusing so much on art design, marketing, and the uh, Battle Pass, figuring that out, which probably took forever, it's cool, but it's just that it's too much work for nothing that's too substantial. If we had Forge and Custom Games, we could wait until you actually add these playlists in, because you gave us all the tools, we could make SWAT ourselves. We didn't. We wouldn't have had to wait an entire month and a half. We could have made the Team Snipers mode. We could have uh, played around with map design. But that's not there. Now, they promised that this Forge is going to be the most unique, expansive, and accessible, and that's exciting. So there's a lot of exciting things in the future of Halo. We're not even at Season 2. They extended Season 1 by a couple months. So Season 2 comes out like May 2nd or 3rd. It's going to come with a bang. New season, new progress, new armor, bug fixes, balances, two new maps, and a few new game modes. So hopefully that will kick it up. There's been reports of a Battle Royale mode. I'm fine with that. It'll be interesting to see. Battle Royale is fun. I'm not personally a fan of it, and I don't think it should take the precedence over adding what Halo needs because of what it is. Halo needs exactly what uh, the previous Halos had. And once it's caught up, and has maybe a few new game modes that are new to the multiplayer suite, then feel free to add a Battle Royale. But I don't think a Battle Royale should be even mentioned until we get the main modes that are in Halo 3, Halo... Fucking Halo 5 has all of these modes. Halo 5 had these modes, and they had a terrible, terrible launch cycle. Boring, bland, repeated maps, weird movement. The gameplay, the map design, and all the game modes are top-notch. It's just lacking. And the prioritization is off. And the problem, the only real problem is if it was lacking because it came out in the first, it came out a month before it should have in the beta phase, okay. That's fine. They didn't add anything on the actual release date. I was convinced that after a month of bounces and bug fixes, once they actually have the full release of the campaign comes out and they do an update, that this update will fix some of the issues they've seen in beta, which is most important, and then... Oh, I don't know. Add two or three new game modes and a map or two. Say thank you. We had these on on waiting. No, they haven't added a single new map and only one or two new modes in six months. And that's critical flaw in a live service. And the problem is, even beyond all that, the thing that digs the hole deeper is they're not transparent about what they're working on. They don't give concrete time frames until the season two announcement that came out last week, mind you. So we're all so they did it a month before it even came comes out. And they have no roadmap. Halo Five, at the very least, even though they fucked up left and right, they had a roadmap. They said this is what's dropping this day, and it and it did. That game is content packed now, and it wasn't even content lacking. It was just not as much. This is content deprived, and it's bad because it's a Halo game. It's a shame, because it's a phenomenal game, and it's super fun to play. 
and it's free to play and it's cross play between PC and Xbox. It has all the ingredients to be the most played and most fun people have because it's so satisfying. So bring back service record. Break up the armor cores. Create a consistent schedule to drop new bug fixes and new content between game modes, maps, features, and everything in between. Listen to the community. Do not get upset by the community. The community of Halo is so strong, it's what keeps Halo alive. Most franchises would die if they didn't put out a game in a six-year time frame. Think of that. Halo didn't release anything from Halo 5 to Halo Infinite. Other than Halo Wars 2. But it didn't release any massive Halo entry in between that time frame. If Battlefield did that, if Call of Duty did that, there's a good chance both those franchises could die. Halo's not stuck to an annual cycle. It could be another six to seven years before we get a new Halo game. So that does give hope because this gameplay at its core is great, but it doesn't matter. First impact matters most. Uh, thank God Halo Infinite had good first critical reception in the first month of its release because it was so applauded and people didn't only start to see the cracks as they spent more time in it. So I pray Season 2 brings a, a, a boost of new life and add stuff that we need and I hope that that first day of season 2 is great and, and by the second week of season 2 they already are announcing more content Halo Infinite needs that because by season 3 which is when they'll probably add the Battle Royale they'll be Gucci by then enough people will be interested to at least check it out so they need to think about keeping the, plan, the fans consistent I love Halo I always have. Halo Reach is one of my all-time favorite games, and I like every other Halo iteration. This gameplay in this Halo Infinite is one of the best in any Halo, and the multiplayer is super fun. I just need a little more content and a little more reason to play with my friends every night. And it's not hard for them to do that. I know it's not because it's in every other game, and they did it easily. So, they have to do those. I'm a Halo fan, and there are other games out there that I want to play. So keep me. Keep me coming. I don't mind. It goes back to respecting the community. It's important to understand that. So, anyway, Halo Infinite is a phenomenal entry. It's only got room to grow from now. So, hopefully, by season two and season three, it is everything we hoped for and then some, and that it stays a mainstay in the FPS genre, in the multiplayer genre, and keeps in the high tier because there's still a lot of people who play it daily. That's good. As if the multiplayer dies off quickly within a year, you have an issue. So hopefully we don't reach that point. I don't think we will. I see a lot of uh, positivity. The season two is coming out quickly. They have addressed their issues. They do fix some of the things quickly. They're aware. They're not blind. They know where they fucked up. They're used to fucking up. 343 has made Halo 4 and 5 and they fucked up. They've fucked up every launch of every Halo game they've ever had. So this is no surprise. But they need better turnaround time. Because some of the things that they were criticized about in the previous Halo entries, they improved, fixed, and made it better tenfold. Better than any person could have done. So that's why it's so baffling to Halo fans. Because they're lacking the easiest shit that, that oh, you just make the mode. We can do that in custom game. I could make the swap mode in custom game in a matter of 30 minutes if you give me the assets. Not even that, but if I wanted to build Forge and all that. 
So how a multi-million dollar team with Microsoft backing them as their flagship first party game hasn't figured out how to do that and release it in a six month time frame is baffling. Old SWAT they did, but you know what I mean, other rooms. So those are some things that they have to do. And I hope the best for Halo Infinite and the franchise as we go forward. The new Halo TV shows out, Words of Battle Royale season two. We're in the season of Halo, folks, whether you know it or not. And you only have, a game only has in this market, in this climate, two or three chances to capitalize. If you get good out the gate, that buys you a big boost. Halo Infinite did an amazing job out the gate. It's what bought them this much time to, to be able to do this. But they have to act quickly. Otherwise, they're going to lag behind and the baton is going to be passed on to someone else and they're going to be forgotten. Not forgotten. They're just going to be fucking left like Halo 5. So here's to hoping the franchise. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, I am making this as an additional note uh, and an update to this podcast. I recorded this podcast a few days ago. Today is April 29th, and I wanted to add more information and thoughts, and this is a new segment that I didn't have planned. Uh, I don't plan everything perfectly, but I do you know, have a general thought of what I was going to talk about. I talked about Halo Infinite at nauseum, I know. But let me recap that and let me talk about what it means for the future because we just got a lot of news this past week about Halo Infinite Season 2, its roadmap, all these things that I was talking about I wish we had. We actually got a couple days after I recorded this podcast, so I figured I'd throw that in there um, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to make another Halo podcast for at least a few, few months, right? Unless I want to, of course, but like I don't have any intention. This is plenty of Halo. So let me just do a quick recap, right? Halo Infinite is the newest Halo entry, right? It came out in December of 2021, and it's from a gameplay standpoint, from a sound, from graphics, from frame, um, performance, stability, and accessibility. It's phenomenal. It's top-tier Halo in its art design, blending old and new. It's gameplay loop, and by gameplay loop, I mean the fluidity, the haptic feedback, the physics... And the set, the rules and the uh, lore set within the universe fits, right? Call of Duty's gameplay loop can't be compared to Halo. Rainbow Six can't be compared to Insurgency Sandstorm. I mean, they could be compared. There could be similarities. There could be things to point out and, oh, maybe try this or maybe. But they can't be directly comparable because they're different franchises, different games. So gameplay loops are solely unique to that said game or said franchise and it can change over time it can be improved it can be tweaked it could be mistakenly messed up more it's never someone's intention to make a game worse um so don't ever think of it like that the gameplay loop's hard people the gameplay loop can be two minutes long and just repeating with a lot of variety and unique things the gameplay loop can be an hour long with the you know with the repeating it can be 30 seconds Halo has the bread and butter 60 second, and they literally wrote it down. I, I believe there's an, there's an equation when Bungie developed Halo. Shoot, grenade, melee, or something like that. I, I forget now, of course. I forget when I have to talk about it. Um, but it was literally a three-step formula to have things incorporated, to make everything around those actions so within one minute, 
at least all three of those actions can be completed in a full cycle. Right? And then over the years, they just polished, improved, added more weapons, added more enemies, of course, graphics, all these other things, right? New elements, new movement mechanics. And it's hard. It's hard to get a gameplay loop right. It's hard to make a game that's so fun to play, people don't want to put down. But here's the thing. An online multiplayer suite sort of experience, traditionally, if we're talking FPS, does require two things to keep a fan base. Playing. To keep them playing for that iteration. I don't mean to keep a fan base for its franchise. I just mean for the game for its release to keep people semi-consistently playing. Of course, it always peaks in its release month, right? And then it dies down. But hopefully when it dies down, it's not so dramatic and it stays consistent, you know? And the trick is a great gameplay loop, you know, solid core fundamental infrastructure to that with with good performance, right? So it all works, right? It's one thing to have a good gameplay loop, but if it's broken and buggy and doesn't work then it doesn't matter because it doesn't work. You can't play it. So those two things, kind of combined in one, I guess, is integral. And then content. Content, content, content. Now, it depends on your game, and it depends on what you've already established, and it depends on what people may expect, and it depends on what you promise, and it depends on how fast you can deliver more content now that we're on the era of internet, and you can, you know, developers can now patch things through, right? People are like, why are games why are games pushed out so quickly because they take so long to make they're so expensive and by at some point they just have to make money back otherwise they're going to start losing money and momentum to finish the product right project apathy is a very scary scenario that artists and creators don't want to reach but um but beyond that it's because they know they can update it later and it's a beautiful tool to be able to update, patch, fix. Because you can't catch everything in its in the first go. Especially something as vast or as big as Elden Ring. Especially something as intricate and with as many variables as Halo Infinite. Right? So these things are good because down the line, oh, you know, the community is saying this gun's weak and this thing's too powerful. And there's this bug when you hit this and it, this happens. And the community... In, in, and you just see by metric, you see, oh, if 20,000 people are reporting the same very issue on the same map in the same area, and then another 10,000 people next week report it, maybe, maybe it's something. Okay, if 100 people report it and there's 200,000 people playing it, you know, hopefully they can log it, but I'm sorry, it's not as important, right? It's just not, it's an, you know, not as important as the thing that's getting 30,000. And if there's something where people are like, this gun is so unbalanced, and almost unanimously everyone agrees, 150,000 people, right? Okay, figure out the balance, right? That's why we have these metrics. And they have them. That's why Halo Waypoint's a thing. That's You just look at these polls. You look at what people are saying online. And you don't need to be a statistician to see it all. You and I can look at... The, the forums, the reddits, the tweets, the blogs, the general comments on the YouTube and, and, and social media for Halo saying fix this, fix that, add more content. It's not rocket science, and they're aware of it, okay? Now, these, now I'm not taking shots at 343. They are game developers. They are people. They are artists. They've done the best they can do in very, very tough circumstances. I think 
We're getting tired of hearing people say, oh, well, COVID delayed us in this process. I get it. It's frustrating. But you have to understand, you can't develop a game at home very easily, right? People are like, well, shit, it's on a computer. Well, yeah, but the project files, the assets, hell, the internet, and the in-office programming that they have, especially working at Microsoft people, um means that the tools and assets they get, the kinds of computers, the kind of horsepower, the kind of on-site IT and tech help and servicing that they get if something goes wrong, the kind of um, servers and backup drives and files and advanced programs and high-power computers to process this data is a lot more fucking powerful. And also, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're working on something that is of a collaborative nature, like, like film, um, even like music, to a, to a degree, like video games, uh, like many art forms, working in person with those people makes it a whole lot different of an experience. Doesn't mean you can't do it virtually, it just doesn't mean it's going to be as good or as productive. Uh, for example, my short film, it's not mine, it's my team's short film, but I'm saying mine because you only know me, and I'm not going to give the uh, personal identities away of my crew members. But the short film we've been working on for these past three, four months now, almost five, it's, it's great, by the way. I'm so excited for you all to see it. But anyway, it's been a very arduous process. In the first three weeks of development, we were online on Zoom before we were able to meet in person. That was very, very difficult to communicate, to stay on the same page, to get excited and motivated. It, in my opinion, it set us back, but we caught up and we're doing great now. Um... Things clicked in the first week of us meeting in person. We started to understand each other. We started to understand where each other were coming from. We were able to sit and have meetings and brainstorm, and it was fun. At least for me. I don't know. I can't speak for them. But for me, it was fun. (laughs) It was a different experience to be collaborative in person. Not to say virtually wouldn't have worked, but I guarantee you if we stayed virtual the whole time, this film probably wouldn't have happened at all. But even if we could you know, stayed in person through pre or virtually pre-production and only went in person for production, this film would have suffered greatly, right? So speaking from a personal experience, that's a legitimate issue. And people don't understand, like, oh, well, once Halo 5 came out, why didn't you guys just get started on the next one? Well, they were in pre-production, but you, you got to remember, you got to remember these simple things. One, they're the only development studio working on Halo, and Halo's the flagship for Xbox. So they have a lot of work on their plate at any given point. They have the Halo Master Chief Collection to constantly update, improve, fix, and monitor. They were in pre-production for at the time, was just called Halo 6, and they're still making roadmaps and post-content production for Halo 5. So, from 2015 to 2018, they were making, well, actually to 2020, but, you know, more so from those three years, they were working on three games simultaneously on three different stages. One in pre-production, one in post-production fully, and one in kind of like that middle ground where it's always constantly being worked on. Because Master Chief Collection is, yeah, I mean, they're finished games, but they're constantly being reserviced and tweaked constantly now i know 343 is big and they've got the resources of microsoft but it doesn't matter how big and how many resources you have that's a lot of work people that's a lot of fucking work 
Think about that. Think how big Halo is, how important it is to the community, how much money it generates, and how complex of a game it is. And then multiply that by three. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then in the past two and a half years, with COVID stuff, shutting them down, that's probably around the time, you know, 2019, 2018, 2019, is when they were probably finishing. I don't know for sure, right? I'm going off of just general inference and small things I've learned. But they were probably finishing pre-production and starting the production, building the game more fully fleshed out, demos, real rough stuff, you know? And by 2019, they probably had a more fully playable thing. And they were also trying new things with the open world, which I think took a lot of their resources and time and energy, which is okay. It's no biggie. It's a good open world. I don't think it needed to be done, personally. I think it's a solid attempt. I don't think they should do it again because, I don't know, unless you're doing an Elden Ring sort of open world, I don't want to see it anymore. But beyond that, I just don't think it fits for what Halo does. Halo's good for having very controlled, tight, narrative choke points. In my opinion. And I'm a Bungie fan, don't get me wrong. And I miss the Bungie days, but I'm not going to just keep saying, Oh, I miss the old studio. That's disrespectful. And that's taking away all the work that 343 has done. And they haven't done a lot of great work in terms of their own entries in Halo. But they sure have been trying. Halo 4 was a very rough transition and them figuring out their footing. Halo 5, they were probably forced to follow the, the trends, which took them a back step. Halo Master Chief Collection was buggy because it was so complex to do at the time it was done, right? We're talking about, what, four or five main games squeezed together with renovated gameplay, first of all. Better frame rate, better graphics, HD to, to UHD, um, you know, four-scale cheddar, checkerboarding resolution improvements, 60 frames locked in for many of them, improved textures and lighting. They had to do all that. It's not like they just said, okay, here's all the games in one bundle. No, they had to rebuild, relayer, and re redo some of these games. And then the multiplayer suite. They had to do the same thing for the multiplayer suite. Had to implement new, modernized controls. Had to retain the controls from the older games. And then had to put it on servers that could stay consistently stable and online for all of all the multiplayer modes. If you have Master Chief Collection, if you have Game Pass, if you have any access to that, go and check it out if you haven't in a while. I know it's been a while, though it burned a lot of people. It's incredible. It is all things Halo that you would want. It's the best versions of Halos you can get. It's got the campaign, it's got all the Halo, all the content, all in one place, all intermingling on multiplayer so you don't have to worry about a dead server. Plenty of people are always playing the modes from the games you want. You can select, oh, I want to play Halo Reach and Halo 4, and I want to only play SWAT and Team Snipers between them, and it'll only rotate you through those, right? And they're at 60 frames or better, and they're at better graphics and improvements and lighting texture. It's more stable and it's more fun. They preserved Halo. You would not be able to play Halo Reach unless you had a 360 if they didn't do what they did. You know what I mean? And I'm saying that one specifically because, of course, that's my personal favorite. And they added that in December of 2020, people. The, the month they were planning on releasing Halo Infinite before they pushed it back. Or a month after, I guess. So, that's my point. They have all that. 
then they're at home for two years where that will significantly cripple your production workflow. And so when your production workflow is crippled like that, I mean, we can only expect so many things to go right. Okay? But here's the issue. I could forgive them because they did a lot of good things. Like I said earlier, gameplay loop, beautiful. Right? When you get the gameplay to feel the way it feels in Halo Infinite, as I've stated many times before, You've done most of the work. Now the work is putting the content in and making sure it all runs smoothly. And for Halo of all franchises, it's not a new game. I mean, it's a new game, but it's not a like an entirely new IP. It has over 20 years worth of content from books, from the creators themselves, from video games, from fanfare, from custom designs, maps, ideas, concepts. Hell, now a fucking TV show. It's got enough content. And the problem with Halo Infinite is it just said, fuck that. Roadmap, da 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 So when I originally recorded this podcast, there was no roadmap. There was a season two coming eventually, but we didn't know when. Season two is coming out May 3rd. It is late April. Like, I think today's April 29th. So just a few days away from that. Right, it's next Tuesday. It's this, it's, this, it's this Tuesday, so that'll be exciting. We get two new maps, whole new battle pass, some bug fixes, some balances, and a handful of new game modes. Three new, three new game modes, and two classic game modes returning. So that's gonna be nice. Very nice. Here's the problem. It's been six fucking months. To get two maps, five modes, and some balances, and a battle... What the fuckity fuck? In six months, people? Okay, so then they announced the roadmap the very next couple days, and the roadmap shows all the other stuff that they're going to implement over time. And by the way, all that stuff I mentioned isn't coming day one of season two. It's coming... There's a mid-season. What? You don't have enough content to even, like, okay, if you were dropping five maps or six maps and ten game modes, okay, then I could see why you would split that up. The first part, you get three maps and four modes, and then um, a month and a half in, you get the other half. Perfectly fine. But for two maps and four modes, three maps, that's not enough content to phase it in. And sure, balances, bug fixes is always important to keep updating and keeping an eye on that's that's great but other than that what the fuck are they doing and so what the real kicker is it's i'm you know i'm saying oh six months all this we still don't have a custom games that fully works we don't have a fucking forge and the beauty about forge as i've stated before is at the very least the community can make the maps and the game modes for you implement it in custom games and they do 90 percent of the work then you just polish and optimize and you drop it in the official multiplayer's uh, playlist rotations as 343. That's what Bungie did. That's what 343 has done in the past two Halo games. So if I was in charge of 343, and, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying they're terrible people. They're great people. They're trying their hardest in times where the universe is saying fuck you and trying to bring them down. So I applaud them for what they've been able to accomplish, but I am sick of what has what is so simply of all franchises. 
there's literally no other FPS franchise of this scale that could do this easier than them. Because it's not like Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of these other games that can come undercooked, you know, out the oven undercooked. It's not like these have a forge and custom games mode where the community uses assets in the game to build entirely new maps from scratch and set new game modes and rules with different weapons and, and features. You can go in to Halo Reach and create an entire new map specific for an entire new game mode that you just created. It can be as wild as you want. It's the sandbox of Halo. As long as you're using the assets that are in the game, which is what you're given, and that's it. It's very And it's very simple and intuitive to use. You could do that. So if you're dropping a Halo game that's lacking in content, why you don't just at least say, okay, well, if we're going to be missing all these modes, let's, uh, let's punch up and make sure Custom Games and Forge is good, working, viable, and there, and you know how much time that would have bought them? Nobody would be mad about the lack of content because everybody would just be creating the modes that they feel they're lacking. So it's mind-numbingly surprising that they said, okay, well, we can't have all the modes we want because deadlines, whatever, because resources, because of the workload, I don't know. But we can't have all the modes, okay. And we're not going to have custom games really work or function the way it usually does. Oh, and there's no Forge at all. It's not there. <laughs> you can't do that to Halo people. You can do that to sports gamers who are consistently used to getting fucked. It's just what they're used to. You can't do it to Halo people because we know exactly what you should be able to pull off now. Do you see the trend in the industry? Do you see the problem that we're facing? And I don't, don't give me that, oh, it's free-to-play bullshit. It's still a Halo game. And let's be honest, if they made it $60 and not free-to-play, it still would have had these issues. That doesn't change that. It's actually good it's free-to-play. It makes it accessible to other people. And if the microtransactions, I, I hate how these armor core systems locks you out of actually freely customizing the way you want. But, hey, at least paying into the game is only affecting visuals and not gameplay mechanics as it should always be at the bare minimum. So I'm not even stressing about that anymore. My bigger stress is there's no fucking content. The game is dry and people aren't going to play it and that's the problem because Halo is extremely popular and you have people in at the door when you just say Halo and then beyond that, the game's really fucking fun to play. It's extremely fun. I could see myself, me and my friends playing it for hours if they had some actual modes that were fun to play because they have three or four fun modes and that's it. The maps are good, but they're not that unique. They're not that memorable. Also, this game seems to be breaking the mold. And I mean, I know it's original. I know it has its own ideas, its maps, its layouts, some new weapons, and that's fine. But I mean, I know you have the Master Chief Collection, but there's no harm in remastering maps and throwing them in there. Black Ops does it all the fucking time. Modern Warfare does it. Uh, give us Sword Base. Give us, they should have given us four maps from Halo Reach because the first season was called Heroes of Reach. That's kind of what I would expect is customization that's specific to Halo Reach. That's fine. They did that. Some weapons that you would see in Halo Reach that you might not see in other games. That would have been cool. And then beyond that, maps. 
Give us sword base. Give us reflection. Uh, I don't know. Give us the spire. That was a cool map. It was a great big team battle map. Give us, give fans some classics. Right? From older Halos. Some maps that we all like. Whether it's Hemorrhage, which is a remake of um, Gulch. Gulch? I almost said Gulf. Um, Blood Gulch. Yeah. Give us that map. Remastered. Fitting the art style of Halo Infinite. Because you're a franchise of 20 years with some of the most beloved maps in multiplayer shooter history. Maybe you keep some of them. Black Ops is smart enough to know that they should always, almost always have Nuketown in there somewhere because people fucking love Nuketown. Just like Modern Warfare 2, I'd be hard-pressed to believe if they don't have Crash in there. Just like Shipment was in Modern Warfare 2019. You see what I'm saying here? So if we had three or four Halo Reach maps mixed in with a few weapons from Halo Reach and some more modes, this, the wait for Season 2 wouldn't have been so damn unbearable. It's just pitiful. And it's not because they're holding it behind a paywall either. It's simply because they don't have it ready. And they announced the roadmap for Season 3. Oh my god. From May 3rd to November 11th is Season 2. Another six months. That's too long for a season. Three months is doable. Six months is fucking weird. So by mid-November, we'll get season three. And at season three, they say we will finally get custom games and Forge. We have custom games. We'll get an improved custom games, just let a little more polished and fixed. And we'll get fully Forge and way more game modes and maps and all that. I think by midway through season three... Halo Infinite will finally reach what it should have been on release. And the problem with that is by the time Season 3 drops, it'll be a full year into Halo Infinite being out. And that's the issue. And I guess they should have delayed the game another year if that was the issue, but I don't think that was. I think taking their attention and resources to an open-world campaign and the pandemic... And a handful of other factors made it more difficult, and I get that. And I applaud them for delaying it a year, because it was supposed to release in 2020. If it released in 2020, oh my god, I don't know what the fuck would have happened. It plays well, it looks beautiful, it's very polished, and it stays pretty stable and well-optimized. So, kudos to them for that, because that's usually where the devs actually fuck up. Look at Battlefield 2042. It doesn't play well, it looks like garbage. And you had to pay full price. So at least for a free-to-play multiplayer suite, you're getting a lot of great quality. And let's be honest, the free-to-play market is vast, but it's not a polished AAA like a Halo Infinite is. So it's great for that, and it's extremely fun to play. It really is. So go play it, but just know they don't even have Team Snipers in there. They don't have Oddball. I'm sorry, they have Oddball. They don't have Griffball for whatever reason. Big Team Battle is a joke. There's two maps for it. It's very, very bland. The vehicles need balancing and there needs to be more of them. 
it's just it's just hurtful because Halo is built on the community, and when the community is all there, you feel it. Hell, even in Halo Five, as shitty as it was, I'll be honest with you: when you're playing Warzone, which isn't related to COD's Warzone, for those who don't know, when you're playing Warzone in Halo Five, you felt the community. You felt everybody playing that game. It may not have been as fun as these other games, it may not be as good, but you felt the presence. You don't feel the presence in Halo Infinite. It it felt like the beta, the open beta. And it still kind of does. And that's what stings. I know smaller maps, and I played the smaller SWAT mode, so it's going to feel smaller, but I, I don't know. Even when I played Halo Reach and SWAT, there was this sense that, yeah, I'm playing uh, 4v4 or 8v8 maybe, or, or I'm sorry, uh, 6v6, I guess. But I, uh, usually it was 4v4 SWAT. Even if I was playing that, it was totally eight people. That's not a lot of people, right? In these confined maps, and it was super fun. That was my go-to mode. Even then, I knew that I leave the thing and there's more people. I can go play Infection, which isn't there. Why is Infection not there? How do you not have Infection? Well, whatever. So, there's no Infection. But anyway, um, I could go play Griffball. I could go play custom game where you're racing in Warthogs down this weird map. I could go play SWAT. I could go play Team Snipers. I could play traditional Team Slayer. It... Uh, so I could play the modes that actually are bigger, like Big Team Battle, that have a shit ton of people for 2010 on 360. And also, a very neat feature they had is when you're in the lobby, when you're in the lobby, you're loaded, there's a pre-loaded screen of the game, you vote on the map, you're all there, you could chat, you could check people's service record, you could see their Spartan, which is cool. You could see their level. So you know, oh, this shit... I mean, I can remember, me and my friends would just sit around and be like, oh, this guy's this guy's got the Inheritor mask, and he's... Well, he's an Inheritor? Fuck! <laughs> That's the max level you can be in Halo Reach. So that means you grinded enough, and if you have that, we assumed you're pretty good. Now, that's not always the case, but if you have logged that much time to get Inheritor, you're usually pretty good at the game. It's, it would be hard to not be, you know? So... We knew to watch out for those people. And that mask was a hard achievement to get. And it was something to strive for, too. There is nothing I'm working for in Halo Infinite. I don't give a fuck. There is the samurai armor, which is really cool. But that's a temporary event. And the progress is weird. It's broken. Don't make me do these stupid challenge cards. Oh, yeah, shoot 12 people. That's a chore list. Don't make me do a chore list. Give me XP for playing well. And make it very, very simple. Rainbow does it. You get 100 XP for killing somebody. Well, 100 points. But you get 100 points for 100 XP for killing someone. You get plus 30 for hitting them in the head, headshot. You get plus 25 if you shoot through a soft surface and, and kill them via headshot. So you can get 150 to 170 points, give or take, from one kill. Halo shows the points. They don't, they don't give you a fair XP. Don't do those stupid challenges. Have those as extra, extra credit if you really want those extra XP. Other than that, make it so if I get 25 kills and I die only three times and I get five or six headshots, I get two triple kills and I get four double kills, I should get a shit ton more XP than anybody else if they're not even res remotely, cl remotely close and have a baseline amount of XP that everybody gets just for playing. Just have that system in place so we could progress because some of these customizations are cool. They're cool to have. Also, spice it up. That would allow more armor units, cores, and paint jobs that make us look unique and cool to be in the battle pass instead of these stupid challenge swaps. Get rid of that shit. 
keep the double XP stuff, that's fine, but get rid of that challenge swap shit. Get, remove that system, and people will have more fun grinding, and they'll want to play better. And show a cool rank for it. Like Inheritor, Mythic, right? Like all these cool ranks that Halo has always had. Show that, and show a pre-game lobby so you can flex that. That will keep people wanting to show each off. I look this cool, and I earn this medal, and I earn this rank for playing this, and I'm real good at this. I'm proficient with my DMR and headshots, or whatever. That adds that social layer of interaction that we need. And what Halo Reach had beautifully, right, this is my, that's my favorite Halo game, so I'm referencing that a lot. It's like perfect in my eyes. One, I mean, not perfect, but it's pretty close. It also showed how many people were online. I know maybe they can't do that anymore, maybe they shouldn't, but I think that's important. I think that allows a scale. Because when I jumped on Halo and there it showed there was like, a, I don't know, 100,000 people online. Wow. I, I, I mean, I didn't play with everybody, but I just knew, like, wow. Currently online, there's 100,000 people playing this game. Now, I guess you don't want that if your number is abysmal. But I, that's okay. Insurgency Sandstorm hovers between 3,500 and 4,000 people. I don't care. It's a smaller game. It's cool to see that. And it makes sense in my brain because I run into people I've already played with. So that would also help to the social features. So there's a lot of fixes that need to be done. More game modes, more maps, more unique armor cores that don't have restrictions, a better way of progression, and more community features. Custom games needs to be improved. Forge needs to be improved. Add the fun modes for fuck's sake. Add Griff Ball. If they added Griff Ball, Infection... Team Snipers and a couple others in one fell swoop if they added it and it worked and they added three new maps. Do you know how many more people would just come back immediately to play those? A lot. Halo's okay if it doesn't have a shit ton of content. It just has, needs to have a lot in diversity in its game modes. It doesn't need to have a lot to begin with. It doesn't need a lot down the road. Halo Reach didn't add stuff till a year later. And even then, it was just a few maps and maybe a few modes, and you had to buy them. So, you know what I mean? People would replay them. I would play SWAT for two or three hours a night. I didn't give a fuck. I didn't get bored. It was that well-made and that fun. And the thing is, Halo Infinite is better made than Halo Reach. But it's missing everything that we love about Halo at the same time. So, I don't think it's over. I think Halo Infinite has a long lifespan. Uh, Halo is not a game that is annual or even three years. It's made every five, four to five years. So we've got a few years to figure this out. But them showing a roadmap for six months later, knowing the frustration of the community, is probably the most damning piece of evidence that shows me they're either completely unaware or they just don't give a fuck. And when it comes to community engagement, which Halo thrives off of, Halo would not be Halo without the community more than almost any other game out there. You have an issue. And when you're doing a live service game, if you're committing yourself to a free-to-play model that's a live service game, which they've stated is, you have to keep it lively. And six-month intervals where literally fucking nothing happens is bad for business. There's the weapons and machine and vehicles that are not balanced and that have been broken and kind of weak or stupid or too powerful from launch of December is still a problem going into May. It hasn't been changed at all. 
And I know they're making other content, but part of me thinks they're just not doing anything about it. Or they're doing all of it, and they're thinking that on May 3rd or whatever, in one fell swoop, a lot of the things will be fixed. And that's great, but they need to do them. They need to be responsive, because as a community, when you know you're in a live service game, you need to know the devs hear you, but beyond that, you need to know the devs are going to do something about it. Because you can't make changes to the game. And especially in Halo, if you don't have Forge or Custom Game, you really can't do anything. So if you can't make changes, you need to know roadmaps. You need to know when the content's going to drop. You need to be assured that it is going to drop on that day. And you need to be confident that it's going to be the way they say it's going to be. And a lot of that comes from trust. And a lot of that comes from previous reputation. And that's not hard to do. But on their part, they have to be responsive. They should have had a roadmap. Here's what should have happened, and then, I'll, and then I'll end this podcast, this update segment to the podcast episode as a whole. What they needed to do on the day of release, because they had it open in November, early November, or mid-November, the multiplayer bit. I'm, I'm strictly talking multiplayer and those features for this part. They needed to, on December 8th, which what I was, I was hoping they'd do, is when they take that beta tag off, do all the balances and bug fixes that were noted, fine. Which they did some of them, and that was good. Right, that's what beta's for. And add, add 10 to 15 game modes. Game modes that aren't necessarily brand spanking new, just game modes that we've had in previous Halos. Add 5 or 6 to 8 more maps. Add new rewards, challenges. Make it feel like the full game came out on December 8th. They didn't do that. They didn't add any new content. They added a bug fixes, which is fine. But So why did they give it the open beta tag? Well, because they were surprised releasing it before it was actually available, which was smart marketing, and it worked beautifully. And that bought them so much fucking momentum and gave them a whole month, pretty much, to polish and, and shit. If they were going to do that, you ought to know that if people are going to see how lackluster it is in beta, they're going to be like, okay, well, December 8th is the full release. Today's November 18th, so we just keep playing, having fun till then, and we'll get more content on the full release. Maybe the content isn't ready yet. So that it's not in here. That's what you would think if you're playing a beta, but they didn't do that. They, they didn't add anything. They didn't add anything till mid-January. So two months later. Big problem. They should have just dropped all that content on us and we would be playing this and we, no one would have an issue. People would play it semi-weekly. Diehard fans would play it every day of the week. And then all this new content, if it took six months, wouldn't be so bad and it would be new maps, new modes that are fresh to Halo that have never been seen or explored. So if they dropped with Griffball, Team Snipers, Infection, a better big team battle five or six more maps with two or three maps unique to uh, Halo Reach fans, maybe four, the four big popular ones, right? One big team battle, uh, one or two close quarters, and one kind of medium or popular one, right? I would think Boardwalk, Reflection, Sword Base, and uh, Hemorrhage, Hemorrhage, whatever. Those four would have been dope to have, remastered and reworked for Halo Infinite. 
with a few of the weapons from Infinite. If you're calling the season Heroes of Reach, you might as well stay in the theme of Halo Reach, right? Um, have that drop later in the season as a mid-season update with some events, with some challenges. And honestly, guys, if I could go back in time and advise them on that, I would have. I definitely would have. I would have done it in late 2019 and said, hey, delay it to 2021 now. Do these things. Trust me. And we wouldn't have this issue. Anyway, I'm hoping the best for Halo Infinite. I am going to try it. I am excited that I do hope that May 3rd really pulls through and allows them to do what they need to do. But that's not a lot of content for six more months of this shit. So they better come swinging hard and they better promise or update this roadmap and fill a lot of shit in between. I would hope by Season 3 we get all of our classic modes back. Every other Halo has had them, usually at launch. So this is an anomaly. I hope the best for the Halo team. I hope the best for 343 in the community. And I want to thank everyone for coming by. Peace and love.